There we go. And so we, then I pulled my pants up and oh hi. Uh, oh yeah. Thank <laughs> thank glad thank glad. Thank God we have this view of Glenn. Because if you saw the view we had before we went live, God help us. Listen, uh, it was my best side. <laughs> you are listening to Dungeons Dragons and Discourse. It's part of the Tavern Chat Podcast. I don't want to call it network because it's you know, just you know, really one stream or one feed, but hey, hey, you're, hey, you, hey, you so, are the king of all gaming media, okay? Uh, no, no, only only if gaming media is like really like yay big and small. You're, in which case, you're, you're the you are the Howard you are the Howard Stern of role playing. That that's 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 not something that I really want to have. <laughs> Good job, Eric. <laughs> So, so just so you know, we have the guys from Biggest Geekest, which I'll actually tell you who those guys are. And one of them is, well, I was going to say Randy, but apparently it's and those guys. <laughs> and those guys. Well, and those guys. So, I am and those guys. Right. Yes. <laughs> no, because, because, you know, that, that's, that's the kind of show that we like to have. Now, here, now you, now you can see, put the names to everybody, and there we go. How parts <laughs> is and those guys. For those of you at home that don't know the inside joke that's going on right now, um, it has to do with another show. Glenn's well, never going to live it down. <laughs> Joe will yes. not let him. <laughs> biggest, biggest Geekus has been uh, a gaming podcast out there that Glenn actually is the one that you know pointed me. In their direction, um, right before, well, yeah, right. But you pointed me in the direction right before. I was like, "Oh wow, somebody left me a voicemail of multiple parts." It's got to be, got to be Joe the lawyer, because nobody but jo but Joe will leave me multiple parts. I'll go, "Oh, it isn't Joe." Mm -hmm. Hey, this is the biggest geekest podcast, <laughs> and as as and as those guys are pointing up on the screen, yes, it was Randy. <laughs> so. Glenn and I talked about it, and it's like, all right, you know, these guys have talked about the OSR on, on their podcast, and they are not necessarily OSR gamers. Hey, Epi. Uh, you are certainly people that have a, have a feeling of the pulse of the OSR, but you're not immersed in it like I guess I have been. Yeah, that was my first bone I wanted to pick with them. Uh-oh. <laughs> Oh, there's going to be a lot more, buddy. I, well, I played oh, when yeah. all those games were babies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, now, we played. You, gra you graduated. I got left back, dude. Yeah, we graduated. <laughs> we're we're so far beyond. Wait a minute. These guys aren't OSR. And they're <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess that can happen. Uh <laughs> well, you know, Joe and I played. Dude, we started with the Red Box, and uh, we played the crap out of first edition played the oh dude i've i got i mean, can't see it but i got tons of planescape stuff we were big into second edition joe went to the military and i think he still played second edition forever and so we got he got into those black books the skills and powers and all that gobbledygook and, yeah. and <laughs> yeah, then we, exactly and we transitioned <laughs> to transition to third so i'm like you guys we just we just kept going i i, I think maybe 
don't know if it was habit or boredom or like, dude, let's see what they got going next. And dude, we love third now. We did. I, I, I got to admit it's, it might be, might be my favorite edition. I think Joe would say for sure it's his. Pretty much. Uh, the only, <laughs> the only, <laughs> so, so I can say that. Chair of third edition. You know, I'm my favorite, back, okay, my I'm favorite part back. about third edition is no Thaco. <laughs> oh, come on. I like I like the podcast. Don't get me wrong. I like the Thackle Hammer podcast. Yeah, it is a great podcast. Yeah. I thought it was cool. But uh it's funny, and you because know, you're you guys moved on to third edition, and now I'm gonna say when I stopped playing back in more end of February of ninety well, actually First weekend of March back in 97, uh, our last game session, we were playing with the skills and powers alternate rules from 2E. Mm -hmm. And what happened was, for me at the time, I graduated from the police academy, and my schedule went from uh, pretty much weekends off to, all right, Wednesday, Thursday are going to be your, your weekends for the next year. Oh, and you're working uh, 5.30 at night to 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, so the the, uh, the gaming group ended. It wasn't that they kept on going without me. I was hosting the games anyway at my house. So I stopped playing shortly before third edition hit. So third edition was something I got all excited about when I saw it. And uh, I bought the book. Actually, I will admit that I got the uh, that early PDF that was for, that was swimming around the internet before third edition came out officially. I don't remember that. It was like somebody, yeah, somebody got like a like a, a oh a beta oh. beta printer proof of it. Oh, oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I I had that. I went. I was all excited, and I was so excited that I. I I was checking out all the VTTs back in the early aughts. And if you know what the VTTs looked like uh, back in the early aughts, things like Screen Monkey, if you've never seen it, you're probably best off for never having seen it. Uh, Klug, it just, it, Klug was 8 bit graphics, pretty oh much. Goodness. It looked like it was written for DOS. So um, I had high hopes, but really nothing, nothing happened until, I don't know. 20, 2008, 2009, I got back into gaming via Fantasy Grounds 2. When I, right when I met my wife, God bless her, she put up with that shit. Like, sorry, hon, we can't hang out this Saturday night when we're dating because I'm a geek and I got to go home and game via virtual tabletop. You got to have priorities, Eric. Uh, you have to have yeah, priorities. Jeez. <laughs> God help. She loved, she loved so, that, didn't she? Oh, no. She, well, she actually, no, she did. She encouraged it and she encouraged the blog. She encouraged all this shit. I have no idea why. Uh, I guess she figures, hey, if he's occupied at home, he's not getting something stupid outside the home. <laughs> but uh, uh, when I came back to gaming, I pretty much lost out in third edition. So I, it, fourth edition was pretty much coming into, into focus at that point. And it was like, hey, there's this game called Osric and Labyrinth Lord, and it's the old rules cleared up and not looking as... Gygaxian prose filled as the old rules. Uh, I think I like this. Oh, come so, on, you didn't like the old milieu? 
<laughs> That's where I first heard that word was in Gygax. Wrote Does Gygax word. have a bad yeah. name with the OSR? Oh, no, I don't think so. No, no. no. He has a very good name with the OSR, but the issue I think is as I got older, there's a few things. First off, my eyesight sucks. So some of those earlier books are so condensed in their type, kind of like. Mm -hmm. But stuff that as I grew up on, as I, I think I started gaming when I was 12, and I and it was right with the uh, AD&D, the DMG, the Player's Handbook. So you jumped into that, and you forced yourself through it, and you 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 kept that dictionary nearby to look up words. And, of course, it was Gygax, so there were words there weren't in your standard dictionary. So right. then what you had to do was figure it out from the context and how it's being used. And that was great for the time. And there was something very magical about that. Uh, as an older gamer, I was looking to return to the magic of gaming without necessarily getting confused by, real, like as a, as a quote, adult gamer, I look back at the DMG with my current eyes, the first edition of Dungeon Master's Guide, and I'm like, it's a beautiful book, man, but what a messy piece of shit. He's, he crammed everything, every possible alternate rule type of resolution he could find and slammed it in there. The player's handbook isn't is much better organized, in my opinion. Um, but the DMG was just like, cram it all in and, and let it all land as it will and that's great when you're uh when the whole thing is magical and it was it was magical and i loved that but i just wanted the game and i could pick up something like swords and wizardry and go wow this is how we ran ad and d first edition after dropping weapon speed uh segments for spells uh weapon versus ace armor class yeah uh, i mean did you make so I heard you say that before in a podcast? You drop segments for spells. So as a yeah. GM, I'm thinking. So if it was a wizard's turn, he just gets his spell off. That's how you guys roll. Yeah, yeah. We, we did without. Listen, I spent a summer, and I spent a summer where we gamed five, six days a week, mm -hmm. and I was doing ninety percent of the game mastering, and I was running with uh, by the book with segments, disruption. Uh, Weapon speed, which I still didn't understand, so it kind of didn't really. I ran with it, but without understanding it, it made no difference because it wasn't really impacting. But uh, I it it the game the combat took so long when every round you had to break it into segments and then go okay, it's missile weapons, then spells, then I'm hoping it's right, then yeah. Yeah, and it's just like and then it's melee, but you're but if you're casting and your spell takes two segments to cast and you get hit during those two that two segment span, your spell will be disrupted. Oh wow, but I only had a spell as a first level caster. Uh, yeah, don't are, mind me. I I don't mind Vancy and Magic. I actually like Vancy and Magic. Uh, I, I know I heard I, I, I heard a little bit about the issue there. I have the right opinion. Um, just to let you know. I have the right opinion for me, and uh, that's that's all that matters, really. <laughs> I happen to like Vancian magic, however, 
when you have spell interruption, I really think it makes Vancing Magic fail. If it was, all right, well, you spell fail, make a saving throw, and your spell fails to go off, all right, maybe. Uh, and you still keep the slot. Well, maybe you can make a saving throw to keep the slot, but that wasn't there. And honestly, for us, house ruling was what rule can I remove and keep it from breaking? Like we could remove spell interruption and all that crap, and the game didn't break. But if you made up new rules and you tried to insert it, that's when you were like, I, we didn't have, we didn't call it house ruling. It's like, yo, this is. This is Eric's rules for the game. We're, we're spending a summer where we're not counting experience points. It's just one session, one level. Dude. All right. Dude. I would have liked that. Oh, yeah. Wow. Shadzar just re reminded me of something. Did you play with a caller? Did you no. ever play with a caller? No, no once. No. Once. No. Once. We played with a caller once, and uh, me and a couple of my friends, we were in high school, and we were invited to a college game in the neighborhood. I don't know how we got invited because I didn't know these guys. But we got invited, and there were we got there, and there's three of us, and there's already like eight or nine people sitting around this table in a living room. Some people were sitting on the floor. So I was like, "Holy shit, that's <laughs> a lot of people!" I mean, and they had a caller. Also, we were first level in a party of everybody was nearly name level. Dude, they call you in there to carry their stuff. I was going to say, yeah, Minion, pretty, hold my sword. Pretty much. <laughs> so, Is and you know when you ruined the dungeon with rock to mud? No, no, that's, that's <laughs> when I had it. That was the uh, convention game at NYU where I was told never to return. That's really? No. I thought that was yeah. a great move. What's that? Uh, oh, tell tell that, Eric. That's sweet. I've heard it on his podcast. That's good. Okay, so uh, I mean, <laughs> actually, my 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 same two friends. Uh, but by the way, the, the quality thing sucked because we I could we couldn't get a word in edgewise, and we were we were noobs, so we weren't allowed to say anything. So right. But uh, we went to uh, NYU for a gaming convention. The first gaming convention I went to, I was, I think I was nineteen. My friend Andrew was 19. Uh, Lenny was 17. And uh, it was also my first real interaction with a New York City police officer. So we got off the train, and this is uh, Harlem in uh, the mid-'80s. And, uh, and we have a map, which really doesn't tell you shit. There was no GPS back then. It's like, oh, there's a cop. Oh, the cop, hey, excuse me, officer. He, uh, he looked at us. We don't look like locals in the neighborhood. He's like, yes. He's like, yeah, we're trying to get to, uh, uh, sorry, Columbia, Columbia University. It's at Columbia. We're trying to get to Columbia University. He goes, all right, well, you know, really, that's just due west. And he's like, oh, okay, because you get off the wrong train. You should have gotten off on the, the one train. I'm like, all right, well, we don't take the train off. He goes, all right. Well, cut through Morningside Park. Actually, no, go south two blocks. To 110th Street and cut across in the street. If I send if it, if I send you through the park, I'm gonna have to answer a call. <laughs> Holy crap, dude! <laughs> Talk about tough side of town. <laughs> yeah, oh, and, and I got promoted in 2002, and where they send me the same same precinct. Oh, but in any case, <laughs> it was about it was a bit better then because Columbia, you know, it, it cleaned up over the intervening like 15 years. So uh, we get to the convention. And we're playing. It's a high-level first edition adventure. And I can't remember 
much about the adventure, except that it was, I mean, it made Tome of Horrors uh, sound like it was child's play. It was meant to kill the PCs and be rough, but they gave you people with all these great things, and they gave me a druid. And I was always like, what the fuck good is a druid? And a dungeon, right? Yeah. So, but I'm like name level, like 14th, 15th level. I'm like, so I don't have much to do as a, so I'm going through the book and I'm looking and I went, oh, rock to mud. I have this <laughs> on my sheet. And I'm reading the description. I went, area of effect. And I went, holy crap. Holy shit. Really? And <laughs> yeah. And I'm figuring out the area of effect. I'm like, you I do this right. <laughs> I can literally just open up like three or four levels below us. <laughs> I could just literally slam it and then I'll dispel it. So Straight every, to the Omega room. <laughs> you know, and everything below us is going to get killed and get encased in this mud that's now going to be rock. And you get all the XP. Yeah. So uh, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. so I, I say, I, I cast, I cast rock to mud. So the DM, now we're playing with, uh, uh, it's my three friends and the rest of the guys are all like Columbia students. And they're like, DM's like, what? So one of the players goes to me, casting Rock the Mud? I'm like, yeah. Is that, is that what you were writing down stuff? I'm like, yeah. He goes, can I see that? Like, yeah. He goes, oh, shit, this is going to be good. The <laughs> <laughs> so DM's like, what do you mean this is going to be good? Yo, yo, kid, tell him, man. I'm like, yeah, I cast Rock the Mud. But I go, and whatever, he was like, but I wanted to, I, I in fact, I, I want it, whatever, like 20, 20 feet wide and like 30 feet deep, but the rest of it I want going down. He goes, going oh down. Well, it's cubes, right? So I want the rest of my every effect going down. Well, how far down? It's, I don't know. I think the way this works out, I think it's like 80, 90 feet. He's like, what? <laughs> at least. And he goes, I go, oh. yeah. So he looks at his sheet, right? And he goes, all right, fuck this. The game's over. All right. <laughs> so, and I went, and, and, and so I'm like, holy shit, man. That's great. I defeat the dungeon. DM turns to my friend Andrew goes, Hey, uh, you ever want to play with a real gaming group? You know, uh, you know, you can you can come to the uh, Columbia Game Days, and I'm just like really, like, and I'm thinking, I just defeated the dungeon. <laughs> no, no I fucked up somebody's. <laughs> so I was just like, uh, I think you don't it want was to play with like that anyway. I think it was two E days. I played up. I was big into Ravenloft for a while, and I had like a lot of the modules. And I read Web of Illusion. I don't know if you guys know that one. It's got a uh, Rakshasha as the main villain. You're between seventh and ninth level. Well, the main caster, the cleric or the druid, like you, had rock to mud because it was ninth level, and he could cast you know fifth level spells. I believe that's right. He had something, but he basically went to Arj Harajani, who's just he's a lord of Ravenloft. I don't know if you guys know about the Ravenloft I, rules. They have domains and they're powerful. Yeah. People. I, I used to run stuff in it back yeah. 2E days, but I haven't opened up my books probably since then. Right. So he has, so usually a Lord of Ravenloft, you have like one way you can kill them in a story. Oh, if yeah. You, if you don't do yeah. it, you screw right. He uses Rock the Mud, brings the dude's castle down. Because he, like you, he did it horizontally, which basically took the bottom half of the castle out. And I'm like, well, it crumbles. And now it caused him to fall down. And the Rakshasa came out. And what was funny, he was like ninth level. The rest of the group was like fifth. So they literally had like no spells to hurt this Rakshasa because you had to be, it was an eighth level or higher, I believe, spells. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, and I brought him out and I'm like, okay, let's rumble. And he was beat down, but they couldn't hurt him because you need a plus three or better weapons. And I was like, 
this is impossible. And and uh, anyway, I'm just laughing because when you said that, I thought immediately of that adventure. I, you you got to roll with it as a GM. If a player does something ingenious, just let it happen, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I, anyway. I should have thought I, I, my first time playing a druid. I knew, listen, when, when, you, when you played back in the 80s and you were in your teens, you had a choice of like studying for class at home and doing your homework or reading a player's handbook or your DMG for the 19th time to try to squeeze some other information out of it. You did it, right? And you know, phone I studied. Or, you I, know, studied. I did my homework. Yeah. Okay. Sure you did. <laughs> I was a nerd, it, dude. No, dude. I, did. I, I I was a nerd too, but I, I, I my my nerddom was uh, maximum output for minimum input. Roger. What is the you know if I could put all my effort into it and get a a ninety five, or put no effort into it and get an eighty five, I'll take the eighty five, and and walk away happy. It's when you had to put it's when you had to put effort in to get an eighty. When effort was an eighty, then that was a that was a problem. I had one math right. class, intermediate intermediate algebra. No, eleventh grade math. Had in tenth grade because I did well on the placement test, and uh, I got a twenty nine in the midterm. My Ooh. friend Andrew, same same Andrew, got a thirty five. The joke was together we still failed with a sixty four. <laughs> That's what I teach, Eric. I teach math. Hey. So. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> it's good times. Yeah, I was I was a history major. Can you tell? <laughs> That's all right. Uh, hey, hey, um, one thing I wanted to address, and this is what made me say, why don't we all do this together instead of me putting like five separate messages on there? Yeah, was you guys said that uh, old school D and D sucked at lower levels, and I'm here to say. I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I'm shocked. See, now I, I will disagree. I, I, I enjoy the lower levels anyway because everybody who's played, every, any Grognar who plays OSR know the sweet spots from like fourth or fifth to say eight or ninth, maybe 12th, that middle range right there. That's the sweet spot. That's why a lot of these game, newer games, I get, like Astonishing Surgeon World, goes up to level 12. Right. Because right. they know once you get to that sweet spot, you want to stop. I so, Joe's a high level, level fanatic. <laughs> I want to be level 30, man. I want to keep. Why not? <laughs> There's, why it's like, like um, not all of the games had many rules, uh, especially the early ones for when you got past those uh, uh, mid levels. Uh, like, it was yeah. just, you know, a hit point or two and just get a million experience points, a level or some right. ridiculous thing like that. But uh, um, I just if you got if you got 20 levels that your class can go to in the book, why not try to do that? That's why, why I stop. Shocked. Why stop? Because what happens is you stop, you go back. And you get up a few levels and you stop and you go back and you get up a few levels and you stop and go back. It's just kind of, you play like first to fifth level a million times. And right. I know these levels really well, Mechanical. but that's it. Well, I, so that's what it, that's what it is. It's, it sucks more because I've played them so many times. You know, the deal you've played every class, you played every race right. and except, you know, Druid. Because well, <laughs> nobody took a Druid and, and no. And then Tui, I always wanted to play the bar, but I was mostly the GM, man. I was like, I, I like bars. Well, bars. 
uh, the jack of all trades. Listen, you're talking to the person who wrote Swords and Wizardry Light, right? For levels one through three, and then came back with James Bond and did Continue Light through level seven. And I was ended at level six, but Bill Webb was like, "I like this idea, but I want fourth level spells." So you gotta, you gotta go to level. Jill, also, also until I until a couple of years ago, that two year five E game we played, where I actually retired a character. Before that, I started in nineteen eighty. Before that, I had never played a character beyond eighth level. Wow, that was it. So. so Used to that kind of you know lower level type of stuff. Would you guys say then? Do you think? Um, well, Eric, do you? So you must play a lot of low level too, Eric. You do? Um, because yes? of Swords and Wizardry Light, that's kind of your game. Well, when I run at conventions, I run Swords and Wizardry Light because I can tell people to come back with your character at another convention, and you survived me twice. Mm-hmm. You level up to second level, so you can bring the same characters back to create them at the table, which I think it. Swords of Wizardry Light is great for convention games. I don't know if it would work well uh, at home, per se. Maybe introduce people to gaming. Uh, Continual Light was meant to be more campaign-focused. My experience, though, as a GM, and I'm not going to get... My experience as a player is it is dwarfed by my experience as a GM. So I can Me, only, too. Me too. You know, I was always like, all right, who's going to GM? Who's going to run uh, D&D? Fuck, everybody step back. <laughs> like, Looks like it's you again. It's like a Three yeah, Stooges uh, movie. Yeah. No, now, I'm so used to the one. See, I, I started on first edition. Yeah, I yeah. never used basic. I started on first edition, second edition, third. I played some and I thought it was too. I didn't like it. Fourth edition. Screw you. I'm going to the OSR. But <laughs> when I did uh, Save or Die, I got back into gaming again. And my thing was the rule cyclopedia. Imagine my surprise when I open the book and find out it goes to 36 levels. Yeah, dude. I like playing wizards. Yeah. So, so I know Craig Mentor likes high level play, but this is ridiculous. Well, <laughs> wizards, um, um, uh, clerics to a lesser extent, they get stuff almost all throughout their career because right. they get higher and higher level spells. So you're like, you look at the higher level spells, you're like, oh, that'd be cool to be able to have a character do that, but you, know, you never do. <laughs> you never well, you do know. because, you know, you stuck at the mid, mid-levels mid is where games kind of fizzle out a lot of times or whatever. And, and my and question was, was it, go ahead. Go ahead. Back in the old school, it was like, you know you kind of made it once you get your first fireball spell. Told you. It's so. like, <laughs> I made it. Well, see, that was my question. I I think it's interesting. Uh, Look, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle because Joe knows I've run. I may have talked about it. I've run a campaign in third edition from first to thirty plus. I mean, they were like they became the equivalent of over gods, and that was fine. I had a good time. I can also run low level, and it's fine. But what I'm wondering is, so it sounds like, would you say you guys are representative? And I may be putting Eric in a box here, and I don't mean to. Of the OSR in a box. It's okay. yeah, true, we're all kind of technically in a box. Good, good call. So anyway, uh, four of us. <laughs> so the question is: Do you think most big OSR fans? I noticed Shadzar mentioned he like on the comments. He he mentioned he like low level. Uh, do you think they're kind of one to eight, and after that, it's kind of 
Um, yeah, he says where you learn about your character. That, that's okay. That's cool. Um, <laughs> Partisan psionosis in the trash. So anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, but anyway, well, you can't play a bard in first edition without being like what ninth hundredth level. Hundredth level. Know, you, no, yeah, you got to go. You start you out with fifteen hundred hit points. <laughs> well, you do because four levels of the fighter. Yeah. Uh, five levels of the thief, and then you become the bard, and you keep those. Uh, four four ten sided hit dice. The one six sided you got from uh, your your extra thief level to passing your fighter level, and then you get an extra I think ten d six from being the bard. So yeah, they were the hit point machines. Uh, if, you, if you if you saw a bard, you better show some respect. There was an old was dragon magazine. There was an old dragon magazine article where they that's what they did. Everybody quaked in the boots when the bard walked by. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so my question is, do you think you're representative? Do you think the OSR, because Joe and I, I mean, like I said, we're old school gamers, but we're not, we're old gamers that have played the old games. Right. Aged. Think, we're yeah. aged gamers. Aged well. So like, anyway. Like a fine, like a fine wine. Fine wine, yeah. and, and we're like skunky beers. I got no. a great old. So anyway, you guys, would you say you're representative? You think most OSR players like one to eight? Or maybe one to ten, and dude, after that, it just gets stupid. Like Glenn said, um, you get a fireball on the king. You know, I, my friend, I'm gonna, yeah. again, I'm going to talk from my experience, my groups, even even my convention play. I, like Glenn said before, you hit fifth level, and for mostly for your your what they call now what arcane casters, um, that's that sweet spot. Then you get that fireball spell, and it's like woohoo. Now I can kill the whole party with a TPK thrown in front, thrown it into a ten by ten room. Awesome! But I, I personally feel as a GM, um, I can handle at a convention a group of up to 10, 12 players uh, with a, a game uh, up to like seventh, eighth level, fourth level spells and less. Once you start hitting fifth level spells, so ninth level, you need a smaller group because the the more high level characters you have, the more fucked up variables you have, and that's and, well, and teleport. that's important. You, you got, got teleport. You teleport, got teleport changes the dynamic. That's a big it, it changes a, a, a lot of that stuff. Now, to me, you know, because usually, uh, except for that summer where we did, and it and it. A session's a level, and we got people up to like twentieth and twenty second and eighteenth. I got my my one my one wizard hit eighteenth level. Valen got his wish spell, of course. But um, other than that, we, I ran a couple of, a couple of games, two name level, tenth, eleventh level, but those were set. Those were campaigns where we generally had three three and a half players. Right, you had like that fourth semi-regular player that would come in and maybe one or two henchmen in a party that were solid that became like quasi-player characters. But if you had a large group, when you ran, like when I ran groups in college and I had eight, nine, ten, fourteen players. Wow. That's a lot. And you want to keep everybody, when you want to keep everybody involved, you can't do that once you start hitting the higher levels because everybody is not – it's not, oh, everybody gets a chan- chance to shine. No, everybody will suddenly be the person that steals the adventure from somebody – from the rest of the party because of their one ability that you didn't take into account. So as your player characters get higher in level, 
the variables get higher. I never had a problem giving out scrolls with high-level spells. But I always knew, especially with the spell cast, it's the ability to cast, I don't know, Ice Storm, Raise Dead, True Sight, Limited Wish. These are all things that they you know, wanted to reach. But listen, we've been playing for six months. Uh, once a week, the party is now sixth, seventh level. We've had a few PC deaths to round it out. That's maybe why you guys didn't get to eighth and ninth. But you do have your limited wish spell. Now, you, are you going to scribe that into your spell book and hope that you're going to get to, what, 14th level so you can cast it? Or are you going to use it when needed? You're going to use it when needed. So I, you can kind of supplement that, especially for the casters, that, that dying urge to be a higher level. Listen, again, bust out the big ones. Yeah, they want to bust you, out those you know, big spells. Because just, just like the uh, the fighter wants there, I want my plus four intelligence sword with a very low ego so it doesn't try to take me over because I'm <laughs> and have no charisma. And I want right. to attack three times around. You know, so where's my vocal sword? I mean, he's got one. <laughs> um, and I'll be honest with you, as much as I enjoyed Unearthed Arcana as a player. Um, for first edition, as a DM, it made the higher levels even that much harder to game master. It added more variables, especially in the spells. It made your major fighter classes much more powerful uh, with the uh, specialization and double yeah. specialization. Right. And, it did. And, it did. And and point blank uh, attacks if you took it in a bow. Um, so it became. <laughs> You know, it it, know it, did, changed, it changed. I again, as a player, I loved it. It was like I, I saw that I saw those rules, and the first thing I said is, "Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I, I, I want to play illusionist in the next campaign." They're like, "What? Well, no, but if I roll high enough, I'm gonna be a fighter first. They're like, "What are you talking about?" And sure enough, I roll. I had great rolls. I'm like, "All right, one level is a fighter. I'll spend one adventure as a fighter, get to second second level." And uh, I'm gonna be an illusionist. They're like, like, yeah, but I go. I've got two d10 for hit points. I'm like, yeah, I cast phantom armor. Once I'm third level, I can carry my two-handed sword. Nobody's gonna disbelieve my phantom armor. I'm gonna be walking around with AC three plus my dex bonus for the longest time. Plus, the <laughs> there, that there were so many ways to break some of the stuff in Unearthed Arcana, and some of the, the illusions went from being like the weak class. To being the broken class in those rules. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Illusions got chromatic ridiculous. orb alone. Chromatic orb. Deb, you're getting some oh, love. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you're getting some love from Deb. She said she loved high level. Her character was a scion and she played she played in that one game that went to post 30. She goes, high level yeah. <laughs> She doesn't like low level yeah. play. Yeah, again, I, I think that you know, high level play, you need uh, a concise party. You because as a GM, first off. Any pre-written adventure I ever got back in the old days that was for high-level play was all tournament play, so it was all meant to kill player characters, not really to keep your campaign going. Any of that stuff. And it was either going to kill you, kill the characters, or give them traffic magic that was going to unbalance it. And I was already at that at that age. I was like the Monty Hall DM anyway. It's like (laughs) this is giving away more than I give away. Holy crap! Well, oh. don't don't use the old school adventure Lost Caverns of Sojan. Oh my goodness, that's a lot. That one, um, uh, I guess, Giants series. 
by the time you got there were like three or four modules back in the day second first and second edition modules that if you went through them you were the king you had all the good stuff stuff that's not in any of the books i remember deodes wondrous landthorn oh that was that was that was artifact yeah you get an artifact oh, for seven to nine level characters yeah it's crazy yeah it was it's it was just phenomenal and remember right now, right now i'm running astonishing swordsman which is basically a uh one e clone, yeah. It's it's. Uh, you want to play Conan? You play this game, right? Oh, okay. It's but very it's, tempting. It's and I'm running this module, the Ghost Ship of the Desert Dunes. I ran it last time for another group. They got everything in there, including a sky ship. Wow! I'll be doomed if they're going to get it this time. <laughs> <laughs> no sky, no sky. Screw the sky ships. Well, there's a second. Yeah. There's a second edition module where you could. Potentially own a flying mountain. Oh, hey, that was Dragon Mountain. I, Dragon Mountain. Oh, that was, that was second edition, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. Man. I got the uh, box set nearby somewhere. I'm missing one of the uh, flying mountain. Now, Chancellor brings up a point here, though, about first, about first edition. And I didn't see this necessarily the same in second edition, but in 1A, you hit name level. And if you got your stronghold, you got your followers. And what I've found is that once my my players start getting their their keeps, their wizard's tower and stuff, the gameplay still or the, the it, it changed from we want to adventure and go to dungeons and kill their stuff to we want to raise armies and take over the wild coast. Yeah, we could never do that. Oh yeah, my, my players wanted to do that. They wanted they still wanted to take why over could, the wild coast. Why could you never do that, Joe? Because if we could, if we ever got hirelings, they would be evil and they turn on us and assassinate us. <laughs> I only did that right. every time. Uh, very yeah. rarely yeah, were we, did we ever get to build a castle. Build a castle? Who do you think you are? Yeah, you're nobody. You're, you're, you're only 14th level. What does that matter? No, I, I think that's that's one thing that's cool about low level play. Um, I think if, if the fireball is sort of the king spell and ninth level you're like a lord. I think it would be, and we've talked a lot about time that we have to play. I think as you get older, everybody has the issue of oh, how yeah. much time you can invest. I can't sit and play for 14 hours a day for three days in a row on a weekend like we used to. And if you get to, you know, ninth level and you got your keep, and then right. imagine you you take then these other characters that could be the children, or they could just be some other characters in the town that you now kind of afford. Yeah, the right. you more yeah, make your new characters. I mean, there's something cool about that continuity that could be really attractive. Yeah, and and in one e, you would read you would read stuff about one e, and you'd be like, oh well, yeah, characters hit name level, and it kind of was expected that a lot of them would retire. They would say, hey, I won the game, right? There's no way to win D and D and D, but you hit name level, you got to keep, you got followers. I won the game, and maybe you're, you know, we don't want to go back to first level, but hey, my henchman's third level. Well, your henchman's second. Uh, maybe the game will let you start a second level character, and you don't start off basically as, and maybe you're, you're working for, and every once in a while you bring out those higher level characters. I mean, we did do that. We would go back every once in a while, years later, and be like, all right, we'll break out the level 18s. I saw a great adventure in uh, Dungeon Magazine that we might put you through. Because also back in the in my early days, we didn't worry about continuity of oh. how do you get from adventure to adventure campaign world. That was just like a point in the map. 
Well, yeah. Uh, G1 is over here. G2 is over here. But Slavers was over here. And, you know, I, that was all it was there for. We weren't worrying about right. hex crawling. And and we didn't know about hex crawling. I, I thought that when I saw Judges Guild stuff at the Complete Strategist in Manhattan, I was like, what the hell is this shit printed on newsprint? Our group just played whatever module I bought. If I found the new module, oh, look, Lost Cabin, okay. program, we're playing it. Sit down. Right. I'm DMing. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's right. how it was. I mean, right. we did all right. the time, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Point crawls are easier. What's the difference, Glenn? Point crawl versus hex crawl. Okay. You got these guys who like to run hex crawls. I'm one of them, but I don't get to do it. Um, you got the hex map, and usually they're numbered hexes. You got to figure out, okay, what's in this area? that they can get into. It's basically you're letting them wander into trouble. <laughs> and a hex, that's what a hex crawl, a point crawl is more like, you've got the town here, you got the castle here, got the ruins here, got the forest over here, just points in, on a map. There's no right, hexes right. or anything. Oh, you okay. just you go towards this. Okay, something happened. Oh, Maybe by the way, they're both, they're both sandboxes. They're both different, you know, different, different ways of sandbox to play. Right, and, right. And thanks a yeah. lot, Glenn. My wife yeah. just said she wanted a sky ship. I really appreciate there you go. that. I appreciate that. Now you got to run the <laughs> I know what I do I that. Say? Give her a sky ship, dang it. What, what can I say? There's 70 <laughs> bucks right there. Okay. Out the door. I mean, uh, I, I still remember the first time I tried to run something that was kind of like a hex crawl, and I wanted my players to... Uh, we, we were we were doing T one to four, but they left Hamlet, and I was like, "All right, we're gonna bring them. You know, they they gonna come back, and they're gonna do this." And second level party in the wilderness, and I had uh, just gotten the uh, World of Greyhawk box set, not just the folio, the box set, which included the weather charts, mm -hmm. uh, Dragon Magazine before that. So I randomly rolled the weather for the winter, and I rolled a snowstorm that dropped like three feet of snow. On a party in in, in plate mail, uh, and, I, and when, when your campaign dies at second level because your party froze like to death, party, yeah, it was like, <laughs> like, Ign no. what's the word? Ignorance. Uh, I thought you guys liked <laughs> rulings over rules. <laughs> yeah, you should have just ignored no, no, that. No, that. That's now. See, you're you're talking to. Teenage ten car, right, right, who who was okay. like, you know, it's kind of, we didn't call it run is written, but let the dice fall where they may. It's okay. like, yeah. oh, here's a, here's a story incoming. Here's a, you guys remind me. Here's a story incoming. The our group back in the early late eighties, early nineties, when I was like twelve years playing champions, but I would play D and D once in a while. We had one that lasted one session because the. Uh, the cleric got mad at the GM. They we were in, they were in the desert. They were starving. He cast create food and water. What does the DM say? Okay, fine. He <laughs> dropped it down in in the on the ground from the sky. Boom! This full meal in the sand. <laughs> and the cleric and the GM got in an argument. Because he says he said you you didn't say anything to put anything under it, so <laughs> it got all sandy and stuff. That's not what I wanted. I just wanted it. And so and it's like two hours. The game is done. 
That sounds like no DM you've ever seen before, Jesus. right, Joe? Yeah. How did he get the meal? Was that a wish? Uh, yeah, I'm about to yeah, say food and water. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but you are right. Back in quote the day, um, the relationship between a GM and the players was supposed to be a bit more adversarial. Yes. Right? It was kind of encouraged. You know, you took the player's word verbatim. Well, no, well, well, you said you were poking your head into the door. I mean, well, the door's closed. I wouldn't let really poke my head into a closed door. You didn't say that. You said you're poking in your head. You take D2 points of damage. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a dick. Uh, and I hate to say it. Now, again, that part of it was the age group you were dealing with. Yeah. Part, you were teenagers. But part of it was the only advice that you were getting on how to run a game was either from other players, generally your age, who were probably dicks when they ran a game, <laughs> or probably. you were getting it from Dragon Magazine, where they were telling you when a player uses a wish spell, screw them to the wall. Yeah, <laughs> if, if they ask for anything beyond uh, heal one d six hit points of damage, you should you should fuck them with it. It's like yeah, you're a jerk ass at that point. Well, you know, Glenn, you, you've commented a couple of times recently in your podcast. He would talk about some of the things Gygax wrote, and he would even say, man, that's kind of a dick move to even suggest yeah. that. But you're, you're spot on. It was like that because I took I mean, it to heart. My group, dreaded, my group dreaded the handing out of a wish spell <laughs> because it, oh, yeah. it came with 12 pages of legal document. <laughs> Here's your ring of three wishes. I'm like, this, oh, this way, this way, this way. Uh, was, I remember was, reading uh, articles about how you should adjudicate wishes, and if the players wish for uh, gold, what they do is they get teleported into the king's strong uh, into the king's vault, yeah, and then immediately right. arrested and executed. I mean, I mean, Gygax would. You can look. You can look at the oney. Look at the oney books. Look at the monster manual. Look at the player's handbook, and you can see gotcha spells, gotcha. Magic items and gotcha monsters. And these are things because he thought his players were doing something too much. He made a monster to stop them or a spell to stop them or a right. magic uh, item to stop them. You listen to too many doors. We need ear seekers. Ah, oh, you're yeah. searching for too much refuse. Need rock grubs. That's how a rust monster came to be. Yeah. Do you guys think... Now, I know you guys didn't play 3E and you don't like it. That's fine. And we uh, don't play it. I, I didn't say don't like... Four, it's four, no, four, listen... Forty is Forty is the devil. All okay. right, I, I will say we agree. We actually, we oh, yeah. actually owe, we owe a lot to three. You got to realize that. I, I have a I fondness said, for three, oh, not for the rules. Oh, exactly. For the, for the SRD and the OGL, because yes. these are concepts that allowed uh, old school gaming to yes. have revival. Yes. Um, yeah. It, right. it, it, it allowed. Uh, Marshall, uh, Stuart Marshall and uh, Matt Finch to put together Osric, uh, yep. and and uh, they got they got you know Wizards of the Coast sent a letter saying you can't do this, and it was smart because Marshall was, out the, Marshall was out in the UK, so I figured well they're really not going to do anything across seas, and Matt was a lawyer and he was just like ignore it unless you get something official, where they you know it, it's one thing if they actually 
file, but if it's just uh, we don't want you to do well, it, you can't do this. For what, and they ignored for it, and they, that was it. Well, the way Matt told it, he says that they wanted to see it, and he knew better than to let them see it. Oh, well, <laughs> couldn't, they just, couldn't they just purchase it? Oh, I guess because they could have purchased no, no, it. They wanted it. They wanted it prior to release. They oh, okay. So here's my question then. So I, I really that's, yeah. that's a good point. So with 3E, imagine so if Gygax has all these, and you know, like I said. I love the dude. I appreciate what he brought to our hobby. Him and Arneson both. I think it's really cool. I mean, that's why I'm here. So, but if he, if, if, if you wanted a game that's adversarial, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. That's a way to play. I actually think, and we did this, uh, we have a, we have a, a, a yearly thing called cabin con that we all go together and it's coming up here in May. We do this. And we had a, a series of a few years where we played a game with the third edition rules, maybe Pathfinder, whatever. I think they're so well codified. So we're, I guess the word's codified. They're so well codified that you could have an adversarial game. Now, it can't be because, you know, the GM can always win. You know, right. he can win. But but if you're like, let's try to play fair. Let's try to play the rules as written, which we tried to do, right, for the longest time, Joe. And you could have a very interesting competitive game because we did it in an arena style using the third edition rules. Whereas I don't think in second edition or first you could do the or old school. I don't think you could do it very well. Because I don't think they're not codified the way you know. There's not a a rule for every situation, or right. a situation for every oh, rule. Yeah, that, that certainly there shouldn't you know. be. There shouldn't oh, be. That's an old school opinion. I don't disagree. Thing. I don't disagree, Glenn. You can always take a rule set, and I, I I'm an example of doing it. You can take a rule set and cut stuff out, and you can remove stuff. And generally, you can do that with le with less risk of breaking something than by shoving something in. Because shoving something in will be guaranteed to change balance, especially in 3E. 3E is a very, I don't say math, it's mathematically balanced. It has mm. all this stuff in to, uh, not perfectly, but it's got these concepts that are meant to balance stuff out. They're meant and, and you can remove stuff, and likely things won't necessarily fall over. But you add stuff, and you're going to tip it one way or the other. Now, I think you can do both to make things tough. Yeah, Shadzar has a point here, but I'm going to give a counterpoint to it. OGL was never needed because the Supreme Court of the U.S. said game rules can't be copyright, only their presentation. And uh, the Wizards of the Coast versus uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! lawsuit, Wizards of the Coast tried to copyright the tap mechanic. Well, that is true. And if you look at the OSR, uh, if you look at uh, Crawford, Stars Without Number, all right? He publishes uh, rule sets. You know, he's used that rule set with other stuff. Uh, Spears in the Dawn. Uh, he's got some great releases. The thing is, it's not OGL. You, you'll play it, and you go, this is the D&D mechanic. This is old-school gaming. He hmm. doesn't write it under the OGL, because, yes, he's re... But you know what? He can do that, and he can rewrite it all, and that's great. But what the OGL did was give you a safe harbor where you didn't have to reinvent the wheel really? in order to have a wheel. You were able to take the wheel that TSR had presented, and you can replicate it within limits with their permission. And that's the great thing the LGL did. It opened up the water. Yes, you can use the same. You, you can you can use copyright to reimagine an old school D and D rule set. Was uh, Dragon's Foot around before the OGL? 
Because don't they? Uh, doesn't that website have a bunch of stuff? And I mean, they had a lot of stuff that I used to wonder. And like, how are they printing this? You know, how are they putting this on the web? And uh, I, and well, TSR was kind of sue happy for a while, right? They were kind of like putting their thumb on people that tried to publish anything that was even close to their quote unquote. The Lorraine Williams years. Yes, we remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. TSR, they sue regularly. <laughs> Yes. Well, I think yeah. that's one of the things that the OGL made people feel more comfortable with right. was right. no fear of lawsuits because they already said, here's some permission. So whether or not the uh, Supreme Court says what they said about a thing right. uh, and whether or not you can or can't um, uh, uh, use a game rule because they can't really be copyrighted um, or copywritten, um, I don't know which one of those is correct. Anyway, um, you're, you're, you're asking yeah. a New Yorker, and I we can't speak for sure. Right. right. Either way, either way, um, whether or not those things can be done, you can still get sued and spend a bunch of money in court for right. some court uh, to figure right. it out. One and, way or and, 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 and we're all Americans in this room, so we all know that in the United States, the threat of a lawsuit is often enough to make people go because somebody like Bridge of the Coast with uh, the backing of Hasbro can afford to spend millions of dollars on a lawsuit with lawyers. And little old me, I want to put out my uh, AD&D 1E adventure, and I I, I, I I risk that. And now some people are going to go, oh, just, you should do it for the hobby. You should take a stand. I'm not a lawyer, okay? <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, yes, uh, I, I am blessed that I have a pension that allows me to be active in this hobby creatively, but uh, no. No, I, I don't want to put my ass on the line to do something. So the LGL, do you give up some rights with the OGL? Sure you do. But there's one secret to the OGL that uh, a lot of people don't talk about, and it's almost like that share and share alike license. I write something. Listen, Matt Finch wrote Swords and Wizardry, and he wrote different versions of it. I took the Swords and Wizardry white box rules and cut out 90% of the rules or more and brought it down to four pages. Wow. Um, four pages? Four Dang, pages. Four pages, four pages uh, three classes, three levels. Oh, okay. Okay, and four, and four races. Um, players, I didn't do the layout. Zach uh, Glazer did. So it, it comes as uh, like a laminated, kind of like folder looking. And the outer pages are all the players' info, the classes and stuff. And the inner pages are the monsters and the combat charts. It, it, it's great. Now, that was published by Frog God Games. I didn't have to worry about any trademark infringing or copyright. I, I had the idea. I mentioned it to Zach, who was a partner at Frog God. And he's like, dude, uh, I'm going to run this up the chain, but I think that we got to run with this. And they give it out for free. So anybody who's listening, including our co-host tonight, uh, if you reach out to Mike at Frog Guy Games, it's Michael Battalotto on Facebook. Um, sure. and Is that bad, Mike? Say, Is that bad, Mike? Yeah, hey, I'd like to get my copy, my hands on a copy of Swords of Wizardry Light. If you live within the continental U.S., they will mail it out to you. Oh, it's also right. available free in PDF, but they will mail it to you for free. All right, so when I go to conventions, I give this stuff out. I hand this out. It, it's great, but that's what, the, that's what the OGL allows to happen. Like People have hacked the Swords of Wizardry Light rules and Swords and Wizardry continual light rules into other rule sets. Um, and I think it's 
amazing to see it. You you see it and it involves something that you never expected. And you're like, wow, that's based on something that I wrote that was based on somebody that Matt Finch wrote, which was based off the third edition OGL, which itself was based off Gary's work. And that all is, I, I think, what the OSR, a large part of it is this ability to share upon the work of others and and make these new creations and you're not infringing on somebody's right by doing so but yes you give up to your your absolute right to it now some people some publishers are not going to name names with their OGL statement the only thing that's open game license is the actual like maybe statistics so like the the uh, actual stat block of a monster is the only thing that's OGL but everything else isn't uh, I, I think that's kind of rude but that's their right um, That's why nobody can produce mind flares, beholders, things like that. Well, yeah, well, those things when that was opened up, when uh, Wizards of the Coast gave us the OGL, they had a few things that they decided were not going to be open game content. Now, have they worked around that? Yes. Have Very they worked around mind flares? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got a, uh, a, I got a, a brain beater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Eye right. tyrant. Yeah. yeah, I tyrant. Yes, you will find you will find beholders in sor in swords and wizardry. You will find mind flares in swords. You just gotta look. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, on that vein, and I know you talked about it once, or you talked about recently, Eric. Uh, dark, is it dark? No, dangerous dimensions, which became dangerous journeys, which was Gary's attempt at another oh. game. Oh, that, that got that got TSR. Brought the pain to that and shut that down. Even though, didn't they technically lose? Did Gary just not have enough money? No, no, no. Here's he, it, you can't say when it was. First off, it was that was published by Game Designer Workshop. Okay. And I I have Dangerous Dimensions because I picked it up mm. at my one Gary Con, and then it became Dangerous Journeys because they were like, hey, this is infringing on our D and D trade. Right. So Game Designer Workshop blinked. But then the lawsuit was against Gary. They kind of Gary wrote it while he was still under license oh. and under contract to TSR. And oh, I, oh, okay. so um, I, I, I don't want to say how that went out. I think that in the end, I don't think Gary necessarily lost, but I think the, the property became worthless basically. Because hmm. I think during that time, there might have been an injunction on it. Again, I don't know the details on that. I have a, I have a dangerous uh, journeys. One of the books. I don't think I have. I don't, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's up here on my shelf. That's some complicated complicated stuff there. <laughs> it is. I mean, uh, I I was lucky enough. I actually got uh, Steve Marsh, who used to work with TSR and Gary's Day, was part of the staff. He actually had uh, one. I forget which book it was. It was the player's book or the game master's book. Um, and he got it from Gary. Gary signed it to him, to Steve. Thanks for being a good friend, all that stuff. He put it up an auction at North Texas. I was lucky enough to win it. So then Steve signed it over to me. So it's, it's like, it's like, hey, it's oh. one of those items. Like you can say, the, pro the Providence. I can show you. the. Uh, it went from Steve, signed by Gary, and then from, then from Steve, went to me. Oh, do you guys ever check eBay for stuff? No, I, recently, I, I recently saw... The red, no, the red letter monster manual, first edition with the red letter. So I guess oh, it was, okay. signed from Gary to Andre Norton, the writer. 
Holy yep. crap. And this dude was selling it for 15 grand. That was I like I remember a bunch crap. of uh, Dragon magazines that had uh Andre Norton's mailing address on it. I guess they were from the Andre Norton's collection go a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um See, I, I stopped checking eBay because there was a while when eBay was quasi affordable, and you could find you could find things. This is this is pretty OSR, yeah. So I I found like Empire of the Petal Thrones. I Ooh. got the box was damaged, the box was crushed, but it was in the original shrink. Got it for like I got it for less than a hundred, and it was the first thing I did. Whoa. I oh, ripped the shrink off, and I opened it. I meant to be played, dude. That's good. Shantar yeah. just said TSR had to pay Gary money. All right. For that, but at, at that point, though, the the, the system was pretty much dead. I mean, uh, listen, he, here's the here's the truth. I think that Gary's releases after you left TSR. Um, anybody remember Cyborg Commando? I mean, I have that. I remember order one of the few things I ordered because you know uh, Gary and and Frank were signing all this. What a fucking mess that was. Holy <laughs> shit. Unplayable mess. Um, but, uh, so I, you know, but. Well, imagine uh, uh, Edison trying to re able to use any technology from the light bulb he already invented. Yeah. So oh, yeah. that was a bad thing that Gary had to go through. He couldn't use anything for fear of getting his butt suit off. <laughs> And he hit a grand slam with D&D. I mean, he hit the biggest home run yeah, ever. You, you were, so. legendary, legendary Adventures actually is a very good system. And I'm very... Uh, hmm. I, I I found it right before Gary passed. And I was like, oh, look at this. And I got my copies with like Gary, you know, had signed them. He had signed a bunch of copies. And I, I was like, oh, this is great. And then Gary passed and they all got removed from the market. I was like... Because Castles and uh, Turn Up Troller Games got the license from Garen. He was going to work on it with them, oh. and they put out a box. They put out a box set, which really explained the rules a lot better than the initial books did. And Gary was a, a great designer of rules. I don't. He thought like a war gamer. Okay, and what appeals to war gamers doesn't necessarily appeal to the role playing right. part of the hobby. Um, but the box set that uh, Trollords Games put out was edited well and it was explained well and I was like this could be a great alternate to D D and then ah, Gail pulled the license gotta go uh, boom something I did I just finished was it last night I got the PDF of the white box because I have I'm not gonna pay for the white box and I read Might and Magic the first book Joe everybody mm. else had, have you guys read any of the do you have do any of you guys have the white box? I have the I'm not PDF uh, I have uh, yeah, me too. Two, yeah. co two copies of the collector's edition. Oh, okay. I, got, I got them both when they were under 100 on eBay. It's going yeah. back a while. Yeah, and I now. have the uh, the the wood box reprint that they put out mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, and the nice the nice wood box, the really nice. I actually had I actually had two because I pre-ordered it from two different places, and I thought wow, dang. I gave I gave one away uh, a couple of years ago, but. Uh, yeah, uh, are the rules playable? Oh my god! Not to our generation. <laughs> it's but... a different creature, Eric. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To war gamers, definitely. Huh? To war what? gamers, definitely was playable. And Charm, they, person, Charm person is boss in that game, Joe. He's huh? the king. Charm person is boss. Oh really? It lasts until dispelled. 
Oh, I'm yeah. Tough. Um, I've skimmed <laughs> through a lot of the older uh, editions, and there's a lot of that. Uh, yeah. Low-level spells lasting until dispelled. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that is carried over in some uh, OSR games. And you'll like the style of band. Until the spell. I have to tell Joe this because this I don't think he's heard it. You'll love how they do the spells. It's not truly Vancean because once you cast a spell, you can't cast it again for 24 hours. <laughs> Any worsen. spell. If you cast Charm Person, that's your one Charm Person for the day. You can't memorize it twice. Well, it was very <laughs> powerful for a first level spell. Yes, it was. It was correct. I, I don't know if it's a bad idea. Right. Well, well, I can get that. You've cast <laughs> that. Now you have. Now you have a slave. Mm-hmm. Until someone <laughs> figures it out and dispels it. There, there is something to be said about short-term spells. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've used those. Again. I was in a game with the Monday group. And we had to get a, by a Cyclops or something. And I webbed him. I was playing a magic user. I webbed him. I says, that's he's going to break through that in the next round. I said, yeah, in the next round. Get your butt up there and save the princess or whatever the hell it is and get out yeah. of there. Yeah. I just gave you a one round, you know, delay on that. Right. Right. That's what low level spells are good for. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. Speed bumps. And a lot well, of pretty much. Yeah. But, a lot of uh, yeah, I, mean, I played a convention uh, game of uh I believe uh basic. I think it, I was thinking it was playing Bruce Hurd's game or something like that. But we had just been so beat up in this dungeon. I was playing an elf, and they are magic user fighters. And we opened the door, and there was a whole squad of orcs. Whoa. All I did was throw a web spell in there, toss a lit torch, and close the door, and we went on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That used to be a strat. I've seen people do that. Yep. Like, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a strategy no that I didn't realize. Um, in the, in the uh, pre-AD&D, I'm not sure if this is basic, but I'm pretty sure it's in white box. Um, Magic Missile has a duration of a turn. <gasps> so what really? it is, is that if, you, if you're high enough, you can cast it and hold it. So now, if you know you're going to come into a big encounter... You cast your three magic missile spells. Your missiles are all like hovering around you like ion stones. <laughs> and then you walk in, you let them all go at once. That's yeah, like, that's really cool. That is pretty cool, actually. That's not bad. I, Probably I love the glitches in the spells. Yeah, that's something else. Oh. Was it was huh. Swords of Wizardry does magic missile? I think it's Swords of Wizardry does magic missile. You have one of two ways you can do it. Right. Automatic. Automatic, automatic hit for less damage or a better chance to hit for, uh, uh, a chance to hit. It's like less damage for auto hit and but if you want to make it to hit, it'll do more damage. Yeah, I, I always have opted for I'll take the auto hit for a hundred ounce. <laughs> yeah, because uh, with the bonus to hit that uh, wizards typically get in that version of the game, yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah. So David, David's like, yeah, it, it was basic D&D &D that had the duration of one turn. I saw that and I was like, dude, that's that, great. That is, <laughs> you know, it, 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 that is when you got to think out of the box a little bit. And you're like, whoa, and now at fifth level, I get how many missiles do I cast now? This is cool. You can even use that as intimidation. Yeah, yeah, you could. You can say, look, you see this? 
we <laughs> want to back get, down. You about to get all and, three and, of them. Yeah. You don't shut up. Yeah. And, and basic, it's uh, you know, it's an arrow. You know, when you come to AD and D, it's a what ball of force or some shit like that, mm-hmm. or dart of force. Basic, it's like, it, it's a well. Remember, darts in in D and D are like the size of like your forearm. Right. These right. are these aren't. I we think darts these days. It's like oh, it's like like playing darts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play three hundred one. No, no, no. We're talking lawn darts that were uh, removed from the market. Yes. That's what you're yes. winging at people. Yeah. You I survived. The- we all survived that era. Yes. I, we, oh, right. My family had one of those games. Jarts? Really? Jarts, yeah. yeah we survived. Dude. Heck yeah. We threw them at each other all the time. All the time. Heck yeah. My cousins oh, used sure. BB guns. <laughs> my cousins would fire at each other BB guns across the pond. I mean, and my, oh, yeah. other, one of my cousins was I, – I got a big family, guys. When I say cousins, it could be – I'm like, no, no lie. Yeah, two hundred. I almost my skull on a slip and slide when I was when I was a kid. I got one that's got he's got a BB in his hand still. Really? It's yeah, it's permanently in his hand. It's deep in there. I I had a Daisy Red Rider. Nobody was gonna get any. Ooh, Daisy! You you can you can see the barrel in the sunlight. You you can you can watch that projectile dip. Okay. It wasn't gonna do anything good for anybody. Not even a D four damage. Dang it. Yeah, it wasn't. Like, uh, did I get get off me? And I was like, what? Stop shooting me with those BBs. It's annoying. <laughs> so, do you think? Speaking of the OSR, because I mean, Jonah, I still have some questions. You mentioned yesterday in your show, Eric, that uh, you're. Um, your demographics are like eighty-five or nine, well, depending on whether it's YouTube. Depending, or depending, depending on on the medium that people are, are watching. Or mostly guys our age consuming. I mean, it's it. most, yes. it's mostly, oh yeah. You said, on YouTube, you're getting a twenty-ish something audience. Do at conventions? I know with COVID, it's not the best way to measure it. Are and I know uh, Glenn's is your grandson Gage the one that likes to play old school too? Yeah, yeah. there's some well, young old school. Right, I know he's a big five E guy, and I like five E. Joe doesn't, but um, anyway, do you think uh, there's a is there a segment of the other gaming hobby that are, is OSR pulling any younger people in besides just Eric's, you know, distribution oh, of fans? Or I was surprised. I was surprised. Yes. Yes, I mean, I'll I'll run games at conventions, and generally speaking, I'm probably the oldest person at the table. I'm fifty three now. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm getting people that are younger now. If it's a game I'm playing in, I often find it's I'm the same demographic. It's everybody else that you know in their their fifties that found a way to the to, to the game table. But I'm running Swords and Witchery, and um, it's younger people or it's people close to my age with their with their offspring with their their son. Uh, shout out to uh, you know, uh, Mike Gross uh, and uh, and Michael Four, uh, who have been at my games at uh, ShireCon. I think uh, the part of it is too is that North Texas will grab an uh, an older audience. North Texas is aimed at old school gamers, probably around 350, 400 attendees, but the same number of special guests from the old with old TSR era. And the, uh, and that whole time of early gaming, as you'll find at Game Hall or GaryCon, it's amazing. 
I've done a bunch of I've done a bunch of Gen Cons. I mean, I've I went to the fiftieth couple years ago, the fiftieth anniversary, and I did probably twenty twenty five, probably more like twenty five, not all in a row, but close. But North Texas Con and Game Hole Con and Gary Con actually are all are three conventions that are kind of because I'd kind of sw- I was kind of done after Gen right. Con's fiftieth. I was like, oh, I've had enough of this. But uh, Glenn's talked about North Texas Con. You and Bad Mike have talked about it. It's definitely a con that kind of intrigues me, um, but I don't. Uh, it, It'll have to be when it's face to face because I mean online gaming's only mine. Oh yeah, no, and, and listen, <laughs> um, <laughs> the North Texas. North I am a lifelong uh, New Yorker, although I've spent a lot of time in the Poconos. My family has uh, a place up there. However, uh, North Texas, from the first year I went, but he. And, I, and this is the same convention where I went with my wife, Rach, and I was supposed to go with Joe the lawyer. He couldn't make it. So Rach's like, oh, good. Well, I actually have a honeymoon as opposed to a three-day weekend. <laughs> and it's like, we'll go away someplace for it. So we, she went with me, and she thought she wasn't going to do any gaming. She's is not, she a gamer normally? Is Rachel a no. gamer? No. Okay. No. But uh, I got her in. I put her into games with uh, GMs that I figured would be good. Matt Finch. Tim Schneider, Zach Laser. I just had a, a a feeling for it. And at the end of Thursday, this is, by the way, we got there on Wednesday, and, uh, you know, she was trying to show off her husband in the pool. Like, this is Eric Tenkar. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah, I understand. She's like, she's like, you're here for the con, right? She's like, yeah. Well, this is Eric Tenkar. Who's who? <laughs> Eric Tenkar. Tenkar's Tavern, baby. Come oh, on. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> she was like, I have no idea. I go, I was like, uh, which forum? I go, uh, Knights and Knaves or Dragon's Foot? He goes, Oh, Knights and uh, no, it was Dragon's Foot. I go, Yeah, Rich, he doesn't read blogs. <laughs> he doesn't know about I go, don't relax. <laughs> relax. I'm just but, a big uh, fish in a very small pond. Yeah. Um <laughs> by she had she had all these things planned out that she was gonna go shopping and oh I can I can do this so end of, end of the first day and I'm exhausted I'm like I can't wait to get back to the room she's like we're coming back next year I'm like whoa what goes, <laughs> fucking great this is awesome she was having fun she was having and she was having fun role playing and playing the games and just the atmosphere at North Texas. Is like a small town community. Okay, really. To to my wife going for the first two cons and the third one, she says, and she goes off and shops and stuff. The third one's like, yeah, go without me. No, Rach, Rach, go. North North Texas, Rach goes to North Texas to socialize and to play games. She'll play in more games than I do. I go there on the table. She she runs the table with us, with me and Mike. She does. She loves it. I've been trying uh, to get my wife to go and uh, cause she likes, she likes more. I like role-playing games. I'm not really right. a card and board game guy. I'll play them, but they're not really my thing. She loves every kind of game you can imagine. And she's like, oh, I don't really want to spend a whole weekend playing games, but I know for a fact, if I got her, even at a place like Gen Con and just set her down there in the, in the main, or what do they call it? The, where they sell all the stuff. There's a name. The dealer yeah. The, the dealer hall. I couldn't drag her out of there. She'd be trying every single game they wanted to offer her. She would love it. And uh, Joe, you've never been to Con, have you, Joe? No. 
that don't have I've much never really been able to swing uh, the cost or the time to it go to be, Gen it can Con. Be, oh, Gen Con's really costly. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, Gen Con. I, I went back in 94 to Gen Con. I'm not going to. Too many Texas people. Uh, North Texas is a very, again, it, it, uh, to me, it always feels like I'm coming home again. Um, and again, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's capped at 350 to 400 people. You're not going to get crushed. If you want to talk to, to uh, the, the people from the like Tim Cask and the rest, Mer, uh, Mer Rasmussen, they're all approachable. Steve Marsh. Because they're, they're not overwhelmed by people. Now, if you like board games, Game Hall has a huge, I can't even call it a room. Uh, it's like an exhibit hall. Uh, <laughs> just just with board games to be loaned out. Hey, is this, cool. is, this, is this the part where I get to tell my James Spawn story? Uh, oh, at the topless James Bond? I don't, I don't know. Oh, no. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Who's James? James? Hey, topless. This is family friendly, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> James Bond wrote the uh, White Star uh, science fiction RPG based okay. on. Oh, he was a spy. James Bond, not Bond. <laughs> he, uh, he's also a smart ass. On the, uh, Star Except Wars the smart part. No, he. On the. Lord of the Rings stuff. He's he's working on a lot of properties. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, his first North Texas, he managed to scrape some money up or whatever, and they, you know, his wife sent him to North Texas, and Eric and I sort of took him under her wing, if you know what I mean. He'd never been to a con with all these old TSR people and stuff, and he was like this during a lot of the con. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. talked to him, and I remember sitting in the hall. We were sitting on on a on a bench in the hall talking stuff and Errol Otis walks by. Oh, wow. And I said, Hey, Errol, come over here. And, and he's, and Jim said, what are you doing? He said, this is James Spahn. He wrote such and such and such. And er Errol Otis is a, he's a great guy. Saw the earth, real friendly and stuff. And he just, you know, James gets up and, Hey, yeah, that's really great stuff. And James is like, uh, uh, he's like Jackie Gleason. By the end of the con, see, this is where you go to the top of shame story. By the end of the con, <laughs> it's probably like uh, it's late in the afternoon on Saturday. Uh, I'm talking with, with Merle Rasmussen uh, uh, in like the, the outer dealer area from the artists are. And I got Frank Metzner uh, behind me and to my left, patiently waiting to talk to me. <laughs> and James sees this, and he's coming at coming toward me. So Merle has a bit of a view, but Frank does not. And Frank, uh, sorry, uh, James takes a shirt and then lifts it over his head and gives me full male boobage. <laughs> So Merle sees this. And Merle, the gentleman, he, he wrote Top Secret back in the day. Yeah. Merle just, just gently brings up this little smile, twinkle in his eyes. And he's like, he goes to me, he just nods his head. I'm just looking at this like, what? And Frank thinks, just realizes that Merle stopped talking. You think this is a chance to jump in. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, God, thank you, James. A moment that I will not forget. But that realized that James said, yeah, you can listen, I, I've only I thought I would never have that moment. You know, you you meet people at conventions and you know, I we kinda like I feel awkward meeting some of them. But I never, weird. Oh, yeah, but I never really was like 
you know, stuck in the like, oh my god, I, I'm reading, you know, um, what's his name? Um, what, what's his, um, Pac uh, Pacorny comes every year and brings all his Dwarven Forge stuff and runs games. Oh, is he yeah. the guy that owns Dwarven Forge? Yeah, Pacorny, yeah, that stuff is expensive, yeah, and beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah, it is beautiful. It's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. One of my favorite things I did for uh, Mike and Liz for Liz is a few months earlier I was at Half Price Books, and I found a first edition of Bunnies and Burrows. Wow! Yeah, man, I wish we had one of those. Right. Oh yeah, I gave it there, there. I gave it to Liz, and I said. Now, come over here. There's Dr. Dennis Cesare who wrote it. Go get him to sign it for you. Very cool. It's yours. I, yeah, and you can do that in North Texas. It really is a different... I don't get very starstruck. Like I've been to, like I said, probably 20-something Gen Cons. The only time I remember being a little bit stunned, and I didn't, and I should have spoke to him, Gygax was there. So this was in Milwaukee. Right. Oh, yeah. About what year. And he was sitting, and I've been told forever he was super friendly, but I was just kind of like, I'm, I'm looking at him, I know that guy. And I'm like, holy crap. That's Gary Gygax. And I saw him again outside. So he was smoking a cigarette or something. I never approached him, but I, I usually don't. Uh, part of it is if they're quite, you know, it's, it's RPGs are still pretty small little universe, but I don't oh, get, uh, I don't think I get Star Trek, uh, starstruck kind of like Eric does, but I'm like, I don't kind of know what to say. I like your game. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I did <laughs> get starstruck at one time and that's only because uh, we're at North Texas and a couple of years ago, and we're going to go back to our hotel room. And I guess the elevator doors had just closed. And I guess I didn't wait long enough to hit the button. So they opened up again. And who's there but Jeff Grubb? Oh. And I know it was Jeff Grubb because I recognize. I used to, you know, from the TV yeah. days, I used to love Jeff's work. But Jeff sees my name tag and goes, Eric Tenkar, Tenkar's Tavern. I went, huh? <laughs> well, I, read your, I read your blog all the time. Nice. And, uh, and I went, Great. And this is my wife telling me this because you did a Jackie Gleason. You went, humana, humana. <laughs> and, then, and then the doors closed to the elevator. She goes, we never got on. Mm -hmm. and I was like, uh. yeah. but but Jeff Grubb knew who I was. I mean, that's <laughs> my name. First time, I, first time I met Tim Cask at North Texas, he was talking to some people. He saw my badges. Oh, that smokes there, Jay. You guys do that uh, Saber Dice show, don't you? I says, yeah. I says, we, you guys running around here going to be interviewing people? I said, no, I didn't bring the equipment, and I don't think uh, Vince is here. And he just looks at me and goes, good. <laughs> <laughs> Cash seems like he would be a hoot. I've seen him at seminars. Oh. He seems hilarious. He is. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. Yeah, no. It was all, all the guys – from uh, and, and again, the demographics. Most of the people you're going to see that are name-worthy recognition as authors and artists, most of them are going to be male. It was it was a male-dominated hobby. It was. You know, you, you you'll probably see uh, uh, Janelle Jacquez at some of these cons. You're going to see uh, Darlene. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, but. Now, if you go to Game Hole or you go to GaryCon, you know you have people from later generations of the hobby that have name recognition that are going to be there. Mm -hmm. But uh, North North Texas is definitely 
two feet solid into the old school gaming aspect of it when it comes to their special guests. The first four years, four or five years I went to North Texas, I got all my autographs out of the way. Yeah. So I did that. I remember one night, it was like 11, 1130, and I saw Steve Winter and Zeb Cook in the bar. Zeb Cook did play. I had a stack like that <laughs> of two e-books. And I said, gentlemen, boom. Could you find these? There you go. Get to it. <laughs> yeah, I feel so bad. I ended up buying them drinks all night. <laughs> oh, Eric, are you gonna you gonna plump that money down for the hand and eye, of Vecna? Uh, I'm still trying to figure out where you know. Just how it. much is it? I got it for 120 on eBay. I bought. Yeah, it. No thanks. I, it. I pulled oh, the trigger. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's going to include shipping. Really? Yeah. Oh, Free shipping. Oh, that's Tim. I won't spend five bucks on something like that. I love that. I'm becoming, the older I get, the more I like these vanity items, dude. You know? Yeah. Oh, uh, so you're not sure if you're going to get it? I, You know, uh, I don't like to call it wife aggro. Good <laughs> wife aggro. That's cool. You know, that's cool. hilarious. I pulled some of that in my time. <laughs> oh, oh God! I, I, Lord Almighty! I went kind of. My yeah. wife was sweet today, though. She 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 essentially okayed it. I said, "Well, do you think?" And I'm, and she's listening. I was like, "Do you think this is worth getting?" Because I've, I've been thinking about it. Right. Was, it's just going to sit on my shelf. She goes, "I got a perfect place for it." So sometimes she kind of pushes me. <laughs> she she helps me with my bad habits. And well, I also, we, we, go ahead. Yeah, I know. You know what? You're right. I actually, I just uh, ordered a uh, this engraved uh, wooden dragon altar for Rachel's yoga setup. Oh, wow. Just arrived yesterday. That was like 110. <laughs> I could, I could justify this, dude. I'm like, sorry, <laughs> you <didn't> think. <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna be a dollar cheaper. Yours will be. I'm a math guy. Tell her it'd be a dollar cheaper. <laughs> there you go. 109. He's still got you. I'll blame it on Randy, and she'd be like, <laughs> "Who's that bastard?" Hey, Randy, you mentioned <laughs> Randy Marsh from uh, no, 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 not Randy Marsh. No, it's not Randy Marsh, but it could be. Hey, Joe, Randy, you, what do you mention? You played two E for a while. Oh, I played through the whole run. Yeah, yeah, we played. Were, the whole ever, run. were you ever part of the RPGA? Um. Okay, for a, a couple of short stints at Gen Con just to get some games in, um, I've had both good and bad experiences with RPGA. Um, <laughs> this, um, you got time for? Should I tell a story? Go ahead. I don't know if Go ahead. So, I'm, I'm at Gen Con. I ran a Planescape game at Gen Con, my fifth or sixth Gen Con, and it was walkie, and it was a pretty big game, and the guys liked it. I mean, a lot of guys, and then it was funny because the the later that the next day, these four guys who had played my game come and found me and they said, dude, you ran a great game. Would you want to join us in the RPGA tournament? And I'm like, what's that? And like, well, we just, and, there's, and, there's, and then it was like, uh, it, the prizes were um, amazing at Gen Con that you would win if your team won. And I was like, and they go, we came in second place last year. And I'm like, 
dang, I don't want to screw you guys up. No, you'll be fine. And there, and before we go to play, Glenn, this to tournament, RPGA tournament, they're, they're kind of coaching me. Now, look, you don't want to split apart. The key is to get through as much as you can so you can make it to the next round. I'm like, okay, okay. So I, he goes, keep the role playing down. It's all about getting to the, getting to the monster, <laughs> killing it, taking it shit, moving on. And I said, okay, I got you guys. I'm following you. And so I'm following the lead. And they're one of their guys ends up split. And they said, whatever you do, don't split the party. 20 minutes in, one dude takes off down this road in the city of Sigel, which I don't know if you know that. It's a massive. Uh, I remember. Yeah. It. And I'm just like, oh, crap. And we're fighting. We end up not getting through two rounds. We had a good time. And we and we lost. We didn't get to go any further. And I'm like, oh, my God. And they go, don't feel bad. And, and they weren't mad at me, but they were mad at their friend. Oh, my God. Were they I pissed imagine so. He just said, what are you doing? You know, that's not how you play the game. I'm sorry, Glenn. But, yes, I've played I, a couple of times. I no, did RPGA. Oh, Joe. Joe's done a lot. I did. Um, when I was in the army, uh, and I was stationed in uh, in DC, and I did a few RPGAs, and it was fun until until it wasn't. <laughs> so yeah, I had a yeah, I had a bunch yeah. of dudes. We all played for a while, and it was cool. And uh, then uh, the way that the RPGA modules are written, it's kind of wonky. Uh, the one that kind of there's two of them that kind of just I, after the second one it was the last straw, but in this module when you enter it there's a giant and uh, it's a kind of giant that doesn't like cold iron weapons, so anybody that had a cold iron weapon it would take your your cold iron weapon from you, right? And if you didn't he would uh, throw down you're dead basically because he's really tough. Oh, so he's way beyond you. Right. So um, when you get items in the RPGA, they're signed off. They have a card or something like that. Right. It's hard to get items. And and if you lose them, it's really it really sucks. And so we had two or three people in the party that had a cold iron weapon. It was magical. And they didn't want to give them up. So we threw down and we all died. <laughs> nice. Fun. It was a giant. What were we, we going to do? What were we going to do? I, I got into the RPGA around my three, three, five days. And at the time, that was the only way I was gaming because around around where I'm in Oklahoma City here, if it ain't, you know, if it ain't uh, D20, it's crap. And right. so I was in Living City, Living Force. I registered for the RPGA, got my membership cards. And like my battle mat is an RPGA battle mat they sent me for free. They wow. send you stuff every once in a while. Hmm. One of the things they sent me was the Fist of Emrakal. You know who Emrakal is, the chaos. Yes. And with the chart. Huge chart with all these runes on here. And then you look at the, you'd roll it, look at the runes in the chart, and that's what happened. But it was oh. a physical, it was resin cast, and this thing was heavy, and it's like so many times in a game when somebody was acting up, I'd just pick it up and I'd go, and they'd back down. <laughs> I'm going to throw it. Because <laughs> if you just hit your head, you really hurt. Deterrent than I did. Yeah. So did you enjoy your experience in there? I mean, I've had pretty good times. The two I did. Times yeah. I did be, until I decided, until I you know, until they stopped doing it, and I figured out why the hell am I playing this game that makes me work too much? Oh, it's a lot it's of work. You gotta keep track of everything. Hey, D, it's D and D for pencil pushers. 
Now, right. I did. I didn't like the modules. The modules were no good. Yeah, I can see that. I, I just got. I didn't think everything they had. They wanted everything. Everything had to be standard out, and I go, why? Yeah, I tried fourth why? edition at Gen Con through the RPGA when it for the year it first came out, or maybe it was the second year. I got into right. the game. My cousin and I were going to give it a whirl, and we just wrote, you know, because the gameplay. I don't know if you ever played 4E. It's so weird. It's so different, and I just couldn't uh -huh. figure it out. And the GM was horrendous. Uh, really. I mean, and this is, I only had a couple of, because he wasn't paying attention. He was worried about getting food. And I understand because I've run games back to back and you're hungry. And he's worried about getting food, not hardly doing anything. And one guy at the table, and I didn't know this because I didn't know 4E, one guy kept yeah. um, uh, kept uh, using his, they call it a daily power, which is like a really powerful power, every yeah. single round. Like every single round he was doing the same thing. And the other players after the game said that was completely wrong. I, I wouldn't have known it. I was like, why is the Ranger so damn good? We all suck because he keeps using this superpower that he's only get to use once a day. He was using it every round. But uh, 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 so I, that was an interesting experience because the players were fun, but the DM was bad. Oh, that's too bad. You know, I, I uh, when I was in the RPGA, it was all, I played Living City. It was all right. But I really enjoyed Living Force. You know, D20 Star Wars system? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, that's right. I think that. I think Saga's good, actually. I like the Saga system. You do? Yep. Good. I think I'm more of a D6, you know, yep. original. Oh, yep, yep. I've never played it, but I've heard about it. I've never played it. Yeah. It's, it is a lot of fun. And uh, did you know that you know that the origins of that system is Ghostbusters? Yep. Ghostbusters was yeah. first? Yep. Yep. Ooh. It was a very simple system. They elaborated on it and it ended up being the Star Wars system. Huh. And the D6 system, I guess. No, something new every day. Yep. And I enjoy I got I got Star I got Ghostbusters too, and I enjoy playing that once in a while. Is Rob Conley the hi Rob? Is he the bat in the attic guy? Yes, he is. Yes. Okay, I've heard yes. you guys mention that. You. you mentioned some campaign that he wrote the other day Black Marsh. Black Marsh, yeah. Uh, Black so Marsh, yes. You're, you're praising that one. So cool. I'm yeah. that it's, cool. it, it is one of the uh, cornerstones, I think, of of the Orso, at least setting-wise. And and Rob did a great job with it. It was uh, inspired by the Judges Guild Wilderness releases. Yeah. Wilderlands, yeah. Wilder, the Wilderlands, but uh, it, is, it is spot on. When I came back to GMing, I came back to gaming... With you know, not just like fancy rounds and text, but through voice and VTTs to uh, playtest D and D next. And uh, after I GM got a little frustrated with the rules changing every other week, yeah, and said, "Fuck this shit, I'm not doing this anymore." We <laughs> <clears throat> had a good group, but I'm not fucking DMing. I need a break. I was like, "All right, I'll I'll step up." And I ran Black Marsh using uh, AD and D one A and Osric. I said, These, whatever, "Whatever you got, we'll, we'll run with it." And uh, it was, I You're ran it around. as a sandbox, and we ran it for you know, I don't know, good six eight sessions. I ran it as a sandbox without being prepped. I was like, "All right, I'll get something ready for." Half you an had hour. to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I do a lot of stuff uh, as an as, as an improv. I wasn't as good with it back then, but uh, I, I it, it it's it's a great 
It's a great setting with a lot of seeds that are built into the default setting. That if you are an improv DM, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of fun with it and just go off on it. And as Rob told me, Rob also worked on the uh, Point of Light releases for Goodman Games. And uh, Point of Light were these like little mini settings. I think it was either three or four per book. There's two books, and they're system neutral, but they actually link up. The maps will link up to his Black Marsh. They're like just oh. on some of them. So they're like just off the map. So you have an ability to have a very large uh, gaming area world to explore. It's like, oh, yeah, these other countries are just over the edge of the map. Because I, I was looking for it when you mentioned it because it sounded pretty cool. Is it still available or is it something that's out of print? No, it's up on the drive-thru RPG. Oh, but you can't get a physical copy, except for the drive-thru uh, printed off. I believe, yeah, I believe it, it's always print on demand. Oh, okay, it's so always it be, yeah. Okay, it's always but, uh, yeah. yeah I, you know, I'm gonna do a quick as as we uh, do. I'm gonna just double. Uh, uh, Shad Bell. To, to Shadzar's uh, comment, yeah, I think I played Saga a, a little bit. I think it's got some 4E elements in it, but it's not nearly as annoying, annoying as 4E and doesn't have the daily powers, but it's mostly D20. Okay. All right, so the PD, uh, Black Marsh, the PDF is free. Oh, okay. And uh, the print book is 5 bucks, four ninety nine. Wow, okay. It's, you know, uh, that's, the thing, pages. that's the thing about this uh, journey that uh, I and Randy have taken uh, since we started podcasting and discovering something that's been in plain uh, view, the OSR, <clears throat> something we kind of knew about back in our heads. We, I can't remember. Um, we were talking before the live stream. No. How we, um, how we got into the podcast and um, kind of frustrated with some uh, the podcasts that we were listening to. I don't know if we, we started that. We were talking about that before. Yeah, we, you, we, yeah, we talked on a little bit. Yeah. Was, that was before the live stream started, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. So essentially, it's uh, dissatisfied with the podcast that I found at that time. They were uh, and the, the game industry, apart from OSR, mm -hmm. all uh, you got a bunch of social activists kind of invaded and just pushing uh, their agenda on you. Right. So, I was frustrated, so we started podcasting because I couldn't find a podcast, and then all of a sudden, all of these podcasts pop up. I think you guys, you didn't start before the summer, and you're all lying. You're all a bunch of liars. You didn't start um, until oh, this no. summer, and you weren't there. I, I you were not there because I couldn't. Uh, chat is going to hit a three-year anniversary, I think, in in April. Right. But the so, live stream. The live stream is 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 fairly new, but the podcast is almost three years old. Dude, Glenn's got right. like, what, 600 podcasts under your belt? I'm, I'm in the early... I'm going to be putting up tonight, uh, episode 917, 916 goes up tomorrow. Listen to so, these liars. Yeah. Listen to yeah. these guys. I yeah, yeah. I think I'm at... Uh, I actually have to write this stuff down. Uh, next episode, tonight's episode, which will probably be Gamer's Health, which will come out first, yeah. be 9, 965. Right, so hey, all this stuff yeah. has been out there. Didn't discover it, but it's cool that it's there and can always look uh, listen to the back catalog. But what's uh, the great thing is the games are low, mostly low price. Yep, yep. They um, they get right to it, so you yeah. don't worry about you don't have to worry about um, folks uh, 
agendas, their social opinions, any of that stuff. I'm sure they have them. Right, everybody but has opinions. But the games, the, the books are short, sweet, to the point. They're inexpensive. Unfortunately, most of them have uh, have um, Vancey and Magic, which, you know, I want to burn them all for that. <laughs> but, uh, and they're what low level. Do you use spell points? Huh? Do you use spell points? You don't use Vancey and Magic. We, oh, whatever the game system has. I mean, we use Vancey and Joe just hates it. I just, I'm not a fan. <laughs> oh, okay. So I have no problem with Vancey, really. Once I took out, once I found out that in basic, you don't have to figure out how many how many turns it takes me to cast something. Right. I hate that. Right. Yeah, it's. I know when Joe was coming back and like I I went through a lot of the podcasts I listened to. I I listened to several types and I had seen um not Eric's podcast. I actually saw his blog first. And then um, Thaco's Hammer. And I listened to him like, oh, they're talking about second and first edition. That's not for me. But I found myself interested. And I could never. And after a while, Joe, you might remember when I told you, I was like, dude, I don't know why. But I like listening to OSR podcast, even though we're not playing OSR. It's really right, weird. Right. I just so kind of and I think you're right. It's because you guys just get to the gaming stuff and the things. You that just talk important. about the gaming. Nothing else. Game. Right. It's really the gaming. And we're generally speaking, if we argue about rules, we're pointing out broken rules. We're not yeah. talking about how to break the rules. I've <laughs> seen that with some other, you know, it's like, well, here's how to build your perfect, oh, fuck this shit. Optimization boards and stuff. Yeah. Oh, and and third edition, that was bad. <laughs> here's another thing about the OSR. Yes, you're listening to it because, and I'm not going to get in my story of how I started my Judges Guild collection, but the idea, <laughs> and, and I got these during my, like, 335 days. I bought those because I realized that everything old is new again. That's why you're listening to the OSR. What can you adapt to what you're doing? Right, right. And that's a DIY. You know, I that's something like Dark Tower or Caverns of Thracia or something like that. And I'd have players back then go, oh, wow, that was a good game. Where'd you get that? I ran Dark Tower twice. That is a great module. Isn't great. it? Yeah, fabulous. Isn't Super deadly. It? I love it. You know, I pulled I pulled stuff on that before on, on on player characters, and they just thought I was like, you know, well, you're the, you're the most original guy around. It's like, no, I just know where to steal. That's all. <laughs> well, yeah, and like I said, you know, you probably heard we maybe heard me and Joe talk about we have a small segment where we talk about this you know this mysterious game we're going to write one day, and I uh-huh. I can't help it. I don't know if you noticed, I always seem to come back to sort of old school, I think of, was it Necromancer games? That was third, first edition, third edition rules, first edition feel. 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 Yep. And yes. I really, and I I, was, I think we were talking, I want that. If we do get that game, our game will be, you know, you're going to ninth level, you're going to become a Lord. You're going to be able to make castles. That's going to happen. Now you may end up in the planes at 37th level. That might happen because that's cool too. We like that crap, but I mean, it's, yeah, what I mean, it's something about it. And I thought it was just nostalgia. I've been bit by that bug since Gen Con 50. They had uh, pretty cool. Did you guys go to Gen Con 50, either one of you guys? No, no I, 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 I went to was back. Well, actually, no. What was Gen Con 94? Was that fifth? No, that no, was no this, was, this would have been the, was it the last, the second to last face-to-face no, Gen Con? No, no, no. I, I, went to, I, I, went, I went like in 93. I went to Gen Con 25. I, oh, I mean oh, 50th I anniversary. My bad. Yeah, no, I know. I, mine was oh. the 25th. Oh wow! Okay, it's I have to, I have to die somewhere. <laughs> what is a special dragon die for? You would probably have liked. I've never, I've never been. 
I go to I go I go to North Texas. Period. That's all I can afford. Right. I understand that. But at Gen Con, they had a Gygax Memorial, which was a re- a small replica of the entryway to where did they have the first Gen Con at in in Lake Geneva? It was a little no oh uh, something hall. It's uh, yes. I want to say yeah. the, her- the herbivores horror. Yeah, it, it was almost like a horticultural yeah. hall. Horticultural hall. There you go. And they had like D and D through the ages, and they had all these. You know, they had the white box, had it right. open. They had the second. I think it was a copy of the second Gen Con. Um, uh, what do you get when you get your? I'm blanking on words here, guys. Oh, the go- uh, the go- program, 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 which was like two stapled typed up pages and it was just yeah, I, I had this so wave of nostalgia just went all over me seeing all this stuff and i'm like i used to own that oh my god i can't believe i sold that and i'm like wow 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 you know and it was just and ever since then and joe can confirm i just can't get my mind off of that i hope it's not i don't think it's nostalgia i think i'm feeling like our game is going to kind of harken back and feel that, that direction. Yeah, it may not be old school but it's going to kind of say yeah we we like that feel well there's yeah, also this diy that, really there's yeah. a DIY sharing encouragement in the community. Seems like yeah. everybody, oh, everybody. It's not like a I got my toys here and you can't look at them. It's uh, right. I mean, right. if you if you're if you're in any of the uh, the groups on social media, whether it is uh, like it's on Facebook, which are you know, listen to some extent, there's a lot of us are creators and are or minor publishers within a hobby and. The advice that people, you know, not just, you know, give out, but you know, people ask for or ha- anything, even, even layout questions. People are like, oh, no, you know, give me a few minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll PM you and then we can, you know, uh, you know we'll, we'll go and uh, get, get on a call and I'll walk you through it. Where, oh, wow. else, do you see, where else do you see that? I, I mean, and that's why there is, uh, I've seen this argument and it's usually from people who, don't like individuals within the OSR, mm-hmm. but I always say that the OSR is a community, and I'm very happy to be part of that community. I'm thrilled. Uh, it, it is one of the most giving, uh, helpful, supportive communities that you can find in gaming. Uh, and, and to, you know, and they don't care whether you're you've been in the OSR. Like, oh, I'm a new publisher. I'm looking to do this. All right, well, what do you need? Are you looking for uh, somebody who can print within the States? I got some ideas for you there. Or what What do you, what information do you need? They're not hoarding information. They're not holding on to it and saying, oh, I can't get this out because I need the edge. No, it's, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. Let's all get out there. And because, listen, is anybody except for a chosen few making a living off this hobby? No. No way. But, but if you're making joy off the hobby, right? If you're getting a ple- pleasure and fulfillment out of it, that's worth as much as anything else you can put your hands on. That is something I'd love to share with people. That's why I don't, you know, uh, I get a lot of questions that I feel uh, about people's Kickstarters. I get a lot of sneak peeks at new Kickstarters coming up. Look at my Kickstarter page. Let me know if you think the pricing is right or if there's anything wrong. I'll do a quick scan edit for people. Um, I'm not looking for anything to do. I'm happy to help. I just happen to be, you know, somebody who critiques a lot of Kickstarters over there. Well, you know, I, yeah. I, I heard on your podcast that apparently, is it Ken Whitman, the one that's going to oh. ask you to, next to help him out? Yeah. I was wondering <laughs> <if you're gonna laughs> without mentioning Ken. 
<laughs> Eric does not like this dude. <laughs> oh, well, Ken, listen, Ken Whitman was nice enough to uh, threaten me with. He's not the only one to threaten physical <laughs> violence. All right, Gareth Shark said that he would punch punch me in the throat. Oh my! I thought, oh yeah, that that was an you know that was a tweet. He only tweets. He doesn't actually write products of, of, that he's getting paid for prior. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, Ken Ken Whitman is also you know. I'm gonna have the the FBI is coming for you. Oh, I mean, he so much. <laughs> and and Weird. the best the best part though when he 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 threatened me, oh with uh with with the uh, DCMA uh what the DACMA takedown uh takedown because I used his image without permission. I'm like like dude, you don't, you don't own your image. The photographer who took that picture of you, How would you uh, know? and our stock image owns that image. And if they want to take it down. They can feel free to reach out to me. There's also uh, fair use, so yep. yes. Yeah. Well, that's that's when I put a piece of shit over the image, and it's <laughs> hey, it, I've, I've changed it to be something better. Look, your head is a piece of shit. You could have but, put uh, a little a little mustachio right there. I have to give a shout out to bad to bad Mike because I I noticed he loves to throw that name out and get you going sometimes. Oh yeah, Eric. Oh yeah, you know I need to work up Eric. Hey, Gareth? Ken Whitman. Gareth or Ken Whitman? Which one do we need this time? How about we go for it? Hey, and Tavern Chat, there's two ways to get to, to get Eric to talk a lot. Mm -hmm. His time as a cop and Ken Whitman. Um, Those are the two subjects right there. Oh, 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 Gareth, Gareth, but, you know, listen, uh, I, I figure I know I'm doing something right if I've been threatened with legal action more than a half dozen times by recognizable names within the industry, and nobody ever went through with it. They were all, it, and, and that just the some of it's the arrogance of um, I'm a certain name, and you publish some, you put something up that I didn't like. It was didn't make me look good, and I'm going to threaten you with legal action. Question: If you oh, go if ahead. really thought it was it, it was legitimate legal action, it would have been followed up with a letter from a lawyer. So, was Whitman the one that was doing? I think you mentioned this. I remember I was excited about possibly back in the Knights of the Dinner Table television series they were going to do. Yeah, like, oh. live action. The, the uh, live action. Uh, that sounded cool. I never did, but I don't know what happened to it. It's like it disappeared. Okay. Oh, 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 all right. I, I don't know. It, we, we're, we're, all right. I don't. Let's see how quickly sorry, I can tell good. this. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I, no, 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 I'm going to be. I'm going to tell the long. I'm going to tell the long story very short. Basically. Okay. Uh, Johnny Blackburn, uh, against his own uh, his own instinct, because uh, Ken had burned people before, including Jolly. Uh, Ken oh, wow. asked, because listen, uh, Ken Whitman is nothing else but very charismatic. Ken Whitman has the equivalent of a 19 charisma. He has that automatic charm. Gotcha. The first time you see him, and then the second time you see him, it's like a fucking four. <laughs> but um, when it comes to Ken, uh, he he's also very involved in uh, the movie industry, or at least he believes he is. And he, he it, it's his passion. <laughs> Not going to take away from the man's passion. So he pitched the idea. They went with it. And actually things started out well until they went south. <laughs> and really the biggest sign that things were going south was when it was supposed to premiere at Gen Con 
And there was supposed to be a care, a party, and all these people had paid for stuff. Oh, and Ken never even made reservations for the party initially. Oh, really? Holy crap! Now there were other there were other signs. Ken was running multiple Kickstarters, some consecutively, then some right at one after the other, uh, showing pictures of himself on a cruise. As all this money is coming in, nothing's coming out because he had more than one Kickstarter going. Uh, he had pencil dice and another pencil dice. You know, uh, these all fell through. All Kickstarters fall through. Oh yeah, not yeah, no, nobody got dick. Oh, uh, well, everybody got dicked. All right, put it that way. So, long story short, um, basically, Ken, def- well, it's Kickstarter, right? So you don't really default on anything as long as you say you didn't default on it. So Ken kept on saying it. You know, basically. Uh, the video is in the mail. The video is coming. I'm working on it, working on it, working on it. I Then it became uh, radio silence until somebody, a uh, gentleman named Louis Desi, uh, took Kenny to small claims court. And mm. took Kenny to small claims court. And Kenny had to come to the point where he could no longer lie. And in court, had to say, uh, or, or I'm not saying. All right, maybe that's that's too strong a phrase. I'm not saying that Kenny <laughs> is not. Kenny said under oath that there was no video, that it was on a hard drive that was stored at his friend's barn when Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicked over the kicked over the kerosene lamp, and I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> pushing a bit, but kicked over the uh, the kerosene lamp, burning the barn down, or maybe not the whole barn down, but burning up the hard drive. Who would Therefore, store a hard drive at a barn? Well, Nobody. He's a liar. <laughs> oh my well, God. Uh, Ken at that point was likely uh, couch surfing. Uh, <laughs> and he he probably didn't have a regular domicile at that point. So that is quasi-theoretically possible. Okay. Here's the issue. All right. In the meantime, they did have some low-resolution proofs of the missing footage. Which another company, uh, God, I can't remember who it was, but they they they're pretty big on doing like these like little you know, YouTube movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They stepped up, uh, Zombie Orphos, whatever. Um, they stepped up. They put it together. wasn't the highest quality, but it, it, it was the actual uh, production of what they had. They did a great job with it, and we got to the backers. So now. Here's the, the, the kicker on this. So this is mm-hmm. after Ken stated in a sworn statement that everything went up in the barn that burned down or at least burned the hard drive. The computer barn. Oh, my God. Can you believe it? I found it. I found it. It's included. <laughs> I can't believe it. Hey, hey. Uh, Jolly, Kenzuko, I found the missing footage. Um, do you think that you'll renew my license so I can comp- complete this? Because the license was expired. He couldn't do anything with it. And I was nervous, not as a backer. I didn't back it, but as just uh, somebody I consider, you know, people involved in this project to be well, close acquaintances or friends of mine. Oh. I, 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 This is like the fucking... You just want to take a bullet out and 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 put this whole concept to bed, right. did, and uh, Kendra Cole didn't didn't take him up on it, did they? No, no. I actually, oh. uh, I I think that they left Ken in suspense for a day and a half, which of course left the community in suspense 
right. three and a half before reminding Ken that, you know, we did actually finish this with another production company and they did actually take the proofs and they did release it. And uh, we don't need what you, the footage that you have and know you're not getting licensed. Now, if you ask me why I, Ken was looking another way to make some quick bucks. It, when Ken was, when was, when his Kickstarter schemes fell apart, he was running, there was, was a comic book gaming store fiasco with him. Oh, yeah. So he, he, Ken had a one shot part, non speaking role in The Walking Dead. He was the pickaxe, I don't know, douche man or something like that <laughs> in the background of a shot. A zombie. He wanted, he, no, no, he was one of the bad guys. Oh, okay. he was a zombie. So, uh, but he wanted to play that in something big. So then at his shop, somebody is selling like uh, one of the characters' boots. So, and and he, and then the, and I'm, I'm I, everybody's telling me about this. I'm like, really? And I'm looking at this stuff, and he's he's going to be uh, doing like bidding on it. And I'm like, that certificate of authenticity. Uh, I, I know that company. I think it was uh, MCG. I have coins that have the certificate of authenticity from this company has graded them. And I was like, you know, they always had the hologram on them. That certificate doesn't look like it has a hologram. Oh, boy. So then somebody else decided to send that forward to the MCG and say, hey, is this a legitimate certificate of authenticity? And their response was basically, we don't know where that certificate came from, but it wasn't from us. <laughs> and which case can... Was like I don't know what you got to talk about. It's legit, but I'm going to withdraw it now to find a different buyer who can pay the proper price. It's like you're just a dick. Oh, he's a yeah, he's a scam artist. That's what, wow. it, sounds. That's what it sounds like anyway. Well, he's not he's not an artiste because he fails more often than he succeeds at this <laughs> point. But that's because, and it's not just me. There's a whole website devoted to Ken out there. Really? Not another uh -oh. dime. Look up not another dime. It's a blog spot. It's a blog. That's true. And I, I oh, listen, why do I talk about it? I am not the owner of the site. The owner of the site is not identified. However, I do know the owner of the site and I do have blogging privileges, posting privileges. Too. <laughs> so, um, not another dime. If you want to really dig deep into the rabbit hole of Ken Whit Whitman, uh, actor, producer, grifter. <laughs> uh, Scum, scumbag sounds like yeah. uh, quite allegedly. See now with Ken, allegedly, allegedly, just like allegedly had the FBI waiting for me at my my door, and they were going to arrest <laughs> me, and I was like, that's like, and this, this is all uh, public communication going back and forth. Me and Ken, I'm, I'm like, I go to Facebook, and I'm like, so Ken, when they when they're there, should I bring imaginary tea and crumpets to meet the imaginary FBI? As I show them my legitimate identification and shield as a police sergeant, and we discuss how you grifted people in this hobby. Oh, I, know, <laughs> I know where he got that particular scam from. Really? Uh, the FBI part, at least. Mm. Uh, there are there's a social security telephone scam. Oh yeah, I, I yeah. Well, so then they, they scare people into giving them money by telling them that the FBI is yep. going to be knocking on their door in 25 minutes if they don't do it right now. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. And, of course, literally two weeks after that uh, scam, my fault like, oh, I knew it was fake. I'm like, okay, good. Two weeks later, 
uh, I get home. It's a two-family home. I get home from work, and my father's like, you won't believe who was here. I go, who was here? The FBI. I go, what? No. He was literally, literally two agents from the FBI. Apparently, <laughs> one of the neighbors around the block was uh, picked up on, on charges they couldn't discuss, but they wanted to know if we knew anything about them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> Maybe kids got power. Not so imaginary FBI at the door, but yeah, it was interesting. Holy shit. We're at, we are knocking on two hours. Well, wow. Good company. Good company. You know, I don't know how long your podcasts normally go, but yeah, we go along about an hour and a half. Yeah, they tried to go after Kim, but he got away because he threw pencil dice in their face and they were confused and he got away. Uh, <laughs> what are pencil dice? Pencil dice were, well, I think it's a pencil dice. The whole concept, I think, comes from uh, the correctional system where you can't have dice, but you can have pencils with six sides. So you can turn pencils into <laughs> dice. Oh, so man. 20 sided dice? No, six sided <laughs> dice. Initially, it was going to be pipped dice, you know? Okay. So you have your dice with one to six pips per side. But then he was going to lice. So he was going to have like. Traveler, traveler, pencil dice, you know, spin word. Oh my god! <laughs> They've got weird dice like that already, where they're basically sticks yeah. that you spin. I mean, it, I, I don't yeah, know if they call cool. them that, but that's what one they of those, like. one of those little top thingies that are different. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He tried. He had a Kickstarter. Do you remember when you were kids and you had uh, the Papa Maddox for like trouble? Yeah. The oh, dice. Yeah. 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 Somehow Ken got, I guess, on an aftermarket. Some game publisher must have gone under. He was trying to kickstart this uh, brand new concept of dice that will pop. Game game, but, no, but they're only D6s. Pip. Oh, my God. So Kickstarter actually shut that one down because it wasn't an, an, a new item. Yeah. He was just <laughs> – uh, so – that's my wife in the background, just tearing yeah. the shit. Like, trifling troll. He's a trifling <laughs> troll, I tell you. Uh, fuck himself in his pie hole. Oh, <laughs> tell, tell us how you I, I, work. I, listen, I'm channeling my wife. She's Irish American. Um, cool. She gets to say more colorful words than I do. I'm stuck with like <laughs> the vernacular of a New York City cop, which means everything I have to say will be followed by. Fuck. Or as my, my son, uh, when I caught him dropping the F-bomb and he was 10. Oh, boy. We were all together. And I was like, dude, what, what the hell? You're 10. You can't talk like that. And I go, what are you going to say when people ask you where you learned that language? And he goes, well, well, he goes, well, 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 he goes, well. If they ask me where I learned the word, I'll say my mother. I was like, really? He goes, but if they ask me how I learned how to use it, <laughs> I dad, because nobody curses like you. <laughs> I got my fluency from my dad. Uh, nice. I can't fucking argue with that, can I? <laughs> no. So, By the way, you're Dungeons, Dragons, and Discourse, Triple D. Yeah, I, I think that's great. That's a good name. I love that name. Well, uh, listen, the, the, this, we've been joined by Biggest Geekus for the last literally two hours. Yeah. Two minutes. Holy shit. Uh, time does fly. This was, and and uh, as much as they try to claim they're not old school gamers, and, and they aren't, 
listen, you can play old school games and still play five. Mm-hmm. It is not mutually exclusive. Okay. You don't have to cut off a testicle to do so. <laughs> you, can, you can actually like be in both. Because I've only got two, Eric. I can't afford it. I, I think know. the current five <laughs> rules might encourage the cutting off of a testicle. Oh, so Joe. Five's uh, all right. You know way, what? Not, not, the, not the ones in print. We're, talk, we're talking about <laughs> updated files that you're going to find online. Perhaps. Oh. <laughs> I, you know what? That could have been a ritual in one of the older OSR games. That, yeah. uh, oh, God. Which one? Uh, Spellfire? There was oh, yeah. some weird rituals in it. I really got to dig it up and, and, and talk about it. It might actually include cutting off testicle. Now, if I had a cut, <laughs> I would volunteer Ken. Just, <laughs> Ken could play test that. Ken could play test he that. Has, that was he what has he huge ones. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he could give up one. Uh, you know, I, I really think. Just as you know, folks. Uh, yes, if you're under the age of 13, you probably shouldn't be listening to uh, Talking Crit or Tavern Chat or. Uh, any- you know, the the show came this close. Uh, they wouldn't let me call it Crit my, Crit Your Pants. <laughs> oh, that's an excellent name. That's a great it is, one. It, it is. Oh. It would have killed the listeners. I'm sorry. Really? But you do sorry. talking crit with Mike. That would have been great. <laughs> no, yeah. The- talking crit was 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 Mike's idea, man. That was a great title for that. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I want to thank those guys. <laughs> All right. That's me. That's me. Oh, the other the other one was crit my shit my players do. <laughs> or crit in my players do. There you go. My players do in their pants. But uh <laughs> oh, my oh my oh my uh, I'm Good right. covering my face right now because right, <laughs> Good night. Goodbye, folks. Thank you very much for Thanks for having us, guys. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this. This has been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yes, yeah. We got to do this again. Absolutely. And all, and all because somebody decided to call the show and say, I got questions about the OSO. <laughs> yeah. Come on. It's your, and it's your job to answer. Well, you know, here's, what here's what happened. You 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 messaged me and Eric to listen to that show. And mm-hmm. all through the show, I kept thinking I was on the show trying to answer you. <laughs> and, trying to realize, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Never mind. I'm just listening to this. <laughs> we just should, like, you know, merge the two. Yeah. yeah that works. But uh, no. And, and uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Again, this format. Thanks, David. It's a great format, man, because uh, just so you folks listening at home know, before the show, we spent about 20, 25 minutes. Bullshit. Yeah, we right. didn't do show prep. We didn't say, whoa, make sure you send them to the biggest geekest podcast. <laughs> yeah. No. But we are now. We are now. But we didn't discuss it. Come to us. Come. We, it, it was <laughs> going into your local pub, seeing somebody new you haven't seen there before. Start talking. And, and once you're on your second beer, which I haven't finished. You realize that you've you've bonded and made friends. And again, uh, are, are they necessarily old school gamers? Yeah. Are they new school gamers? Yeah. You know what? We do it all. I would gladly play a session of Five E. I just don't have the energy to learn the rules well enough to run it. 
And I think that that's that's for a lot of people out there. I told a guy the other day, I said, um, I'll play. I'm not running. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to buy. I've got the player's handbook because my wife bought it. I'm not buying any of their stuff. Um, Player's handbook is good enough. Well, I'm not ashamed to say that I don't want to put the money out for it. No, I'm not either. Yeah, it's good. all these other games that I've got. What do I need to spend? No, and, and fifty bucks a book? Come on, right? Fuck. Listen, if, if, if at least if you're gonna like, you know, say I don't want to spend fifty. Say I don't want to spend thirty-two dollars and sixty cents on Amazon for it, because that's the price you're gonna spend if you really don't want to support the company. All right, I don't want to. Your game store. I'll, I'll, listen. If you want to put the least amount of money in Witches of the Coast pocket, you're going to buy it from Amazon. Or Just eBay. Me. Or buy it from eBay. Yeah, or, or eBay. True. Buy used copy. You might get one they snotted into, but at least yeah. you know that it was. What's, what's a little snot? Come on. This <laughs> costs 70 bucks, and I get more play out of this than I will out of any $50 Watsy book. Right I will tell Jeff that personally next time I see him. Uh, well, I won't see him at TotalCon this year, but I'll probably see Who? him uh, Jeff Talenian. Oh, Jeff, yeah. I love Jeff. He's a great guy. Is he the writer? Yes. Yeah. Jeff he, is he, really good people. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Jeff's, Jeff's, Jeff's daughter is the reason why I had to clean up my act at ChireCon last year. Even, oh, even, yeah, Dad. He didn't curse much at all. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you don't want the print copy of this, tell the folks out there, too, uh, drive through for 20 bucks, you can get a PDF. What do you think of that, Joe? I've thought that, about that. That is because that's that that's one of the exceptions in the in, in the uh, um, in the yeah. movement where it's not it's that's an expensive book. Most of them aren't, but of all of the ones I've seen so far to me because I'm into the Conan and um, yeah. uh, John Carter of Mars type yeah. of uh, oh, yeah. heroic adventure, and oh, there yeah. it is. Weird fantasy. Yeah. Cthulhu, yeah. a whole mix of good I stuff. Get, I've gotten my money out of this like several times over. Cool. Uh, the PDF um, goes sale frequently over at drive through It's uh, often it's 25 or 30% off, so you can get it for as low as like 14 mm-hmm. uh, If If you're not okay. to get it, I'm just saying, it, it comes up on sale often. You got to check their sale prices. Do you know if uh, Jeff, if you buy it directly from his store, on some he has a store, or can you, or the just do drive through? If you buy that book, will you get the PDF for free? A lot of companies. Do. I am, I, I am pretty sure if you buy the book from him directly, you get it for free. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay, but, uh, we'll look into it. Uh, you know, and Jeff, also a, uh, he also has a player's version of this. Hmm. Yeah, it's for, it's half the book is just for the players. Right, so your players don't have to bog themselves down with stuff they're not going to use. Cool. This is over six hundred pages, right? Believe it or not. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow! Like a big I actually have a, I have a book that's bigger than this. Yeah, it's very, got, it's very one e, right? Kind of one e like. It is very, it is very one. It, it is, it is definitely one e based with. Uh, if one e based. On on a Conan, more on Conan and and less on uh, Clark uh, Ashton Rings. Smith, Lovecraft, yeah. Howard. You know that just have stuff. humans, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's all human. It's 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 really 
really well done. Jeff has done a great job with it. And if you meet him, well, at he's a nice guy. And he's 26 classes. You, you, 26. Whoa. Yeah. You meet Jeff and, oh, and you're yeah. like, he, you he, know what he I love his face. You see Jeff's face and you're like, <laughs> oh, he looks so sweet. And you, then you see him like take his shirt off and he's got, you're like, holy crap. Ripped. Like a pound me into the dirt. He's just like, hey, how you doing? It's like, oh my God. Why would no. you ever see him with his shirt off? That's kind of weird. Eric's, not, Eric, Eric's got a thing. Don't forget about the one guy. Who's the one who's spawned? James spawned the shirt off. I think it's a rule. Should I meet Eric at, at, at a convention? That's think, two guys tonight. To, you don't I'm taking my shirt off the shirt as soon off as thing. I see Eric. You're okay. going to see my plan. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> Listen, I've already seen Bad Mike get violated at a convention, so I don't need to see anything else. Like, That's three. I've been scarred, scarred for life. You must good, have some good kind of. You go to enough conventions, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna, it's like going to Vegas. What happens at Gen Con stays at Gen Con, baby. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, oh, sweet. Oh, Dave Betzik said that it's sold out. Sad. And my wife said she'd rather rather me spend 50 bucks on a book than bar drinking with my buddies. And that's okay because I don't drink. So, yeah, sweet. Thanks, oh, the New book coming. <laughs> damn, damn, damn COVID. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you the one thing, the one thing that this game does that points up why I don't like 5e is I always said there's too many bells and whistles. Too many because the players, you know, they can have all these abilities and special abilities and extra attacks and all this other stuff. I've seen players just, okay, you're up. Well, I'm gonna do this, 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 this and my head just spins after a while, you know. In this we're planning one, on doing a five e a late five e review actually, Glenn. Soon we're going to have another friend of ours come on who loves it, and I kind of love it. Joe kind of doesn't like it, and clearly you oh, don't like it like it much. Point counterpoint, I like that. Yeah, yeah we're going to do that. It'll be fun. But good argument. We have a good time. Oh, I did. That. I did. remember this. Hey, remember the Spellburn podcast for DCC? Mm -hmm. uh, Jim brought me on the show because I don't like DCC. He said we're tired <sighs> of preaching the choir. We want a guy on here to see if we can convince him to like it. They you don't like the funnel, but I don't like the funnel. Here's my my thing with DCC, <clears throat> real quick, and I'm gonna probably. I don't like the dice. I, the dice are yeah, but my my thing with DCC is when I read the beta rules, I thought, oh my god, this thing is horrible. And then I got the full release of the rules. I went, oh my god, this is good shit. I was really happy with it. And uh, I enjoyed the funnel, and I have actually run the funnel with Swords and Wizardry. It's it, it's a great concept. However, I don't like the. I know how I complained about the swinginess of the rules as you go up a level in AD and D, and as a as a game master, it kind of breaks down when you hit maybe like name level. It kind of becomes you need a smaller group. DCC to me is is very much like that, but much earlier. Because the spells are so all over the fucking place, you can't predict. Oh. With and any different different tables for every spell are insane. Oh yeah, yeah. So looks what cool. I do, what I do, and I, but the adventures are amazing. So I've run the adventures, uh, converting on a fly with swords of wizardry. Cool. You know, and I, you know, if you're a DM, you can you can infer that from whatever you're seeing. The system doesn't matter. I could be do. I could be take trolls and trolls and convert it to. So it's what's going to fly. I think with DCC, uh, I, I bought the book and just fell in love with the way it looked. Oh, it, it, it yeah, Doug Kovacs, the artist. I, I love Doug. Although uh, Doug was, 
what was it, what was this great comment to me besides the uh, you know if I if I if if I didn't already know you, I wouldn't like you because you're a fucking cop. But I know oh, you. Wow. And I like you. And the other comment one time was I was talking with him and he goes, you know, uh, I, I, I really enjoy our conversations, but Rachel listens. <laughs> you said, well, Doug, you just haven't yeah. seen me with my shirt off. You need to see me with my shirt off. Yeah. That'll change. Oh, it's like, it's like, like, yeah, well, it was like, oh, Doug, so you'd rather be talking to my wife than me. I, I, understand. <laughs> I, I probably would rather that too. I mean, if I was you, I mean, I, but all right. On that note, uh, just say, see there, there, Glenn. We've hit, we've I think we've hit a new live stream record. Two hours, fifteen minutes. All right. I, I I can't believe it. Great guests, biggest geekest. You're gonna find them on Anchor or wherever you find your finest podcasts. Um, you can find Glenn on Anchor. Glenn, you still doing YouTube's? Oh, he dropped. He left. Wow. Man. He's out. He left. He's out. out. Now, now we start the real podcast. Yeah, yeah. Glenn, 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 I, I tell you what. Yeah. Break out the balls. Yeah. Like, Wait a second, you kept it going after I left? Because <laughs> we love you, Glenn. We love you. Uh, really, this has been a, a, a good time, man. Yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks for having us, Eric. We loved it. You know, great. I did. Especially, anyway. especially in, the, uh, in, in the world of COVID, where you can't go out and socialize, having a good time that's relaxed. Nobody's uh, nobody's like I, I gotta put on a certain act and look cool. Oh, no, right. but, you know. Well, first off, I know I don't look cool anyway. I mean, look at the fucking hair I got. No danger here, bud. I've got I've got COVID hair, and I've, oh. you know, I've, I've had my oh. mother cut it twice since COVID started. So I, that already tells you when I finally go back to my barber, he'd be like, "Who the fuck?" <laughs> Glenn, Glenn is just like, "Hey, Glenn, coming back?" Yeah, there he is. Glenn, Glenn came back just in time for <laughs> How are we going to top this show? That's what I want to know. I, I don't know, but I, just you dropping out and dropping back in. That was the best, dude. It's is, is untoppable. Uh, it just went. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. It's like, what? Yep. Thank, thank you both. Although it is the guys at Biggest Geekers, it is only it is only two. All right, it, it could seem like more. Uh, we might think it's more. <laughs> We're that big. We are. We're just that big. We actually count for like four guys. <laughs> I, I definitely eat for two or three. These guys might hang around, you know, in the future. So, okay. So uh, thanks, to Randy, thanks to Randy and those guys. Um, Thank you, Joe. Thank. You. Uh, as I always tell you folks, we are still in the midst of the world of COVID. Nobody here is a medical professional. It's not that I know of. And if they are, shut your mouth. We're not going to give you medical advice. But uh, use, your, use your common sense. You always claim that your PCs have common sense. My character wouldn't do that. Well, guess what? Use your common sense in the world of COVID. All right. It's a skill that most of us have. Mm -hmm. and uh, Be safe. Be well. God bless for all those dice. And, was Randy uh, and Joe those guys? Yes, Ra Randy and Joe those guys. Don't forget Joe those guys. It's his full last name. Joe those guys. All right, folks. On that note, <laughs> and... good night, folks. <laughs>